Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in, tri- in crime, Fran Sel- I can't even speak right now because I'm so excited. I'm going to let him just take it away. Fran, we are back. Uh, this is the first time us being back. You are now officially uh, 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 Miss, Mr. Evans. Yes. Uh, you, uh, you and your... That doesn't... Where, I was the, always... The, you were always the, <laughs> I was always the same. Uh, but you are you're officially a married man. Yeah, man. man. Congratulations. The ceremony you, was beautiful. Please uh, enlighten people about the day and the, all, all the nuptials and the dancing and the drinking and all that type of stuff, man. Please take it away. Yeah, man. It was a... It was a wonderful, like... It was a wonderful night. Special day. It's, it's, it's like it was close as perfect as you was going to get. Yeah. Um, weather was great. The weather was great. It got a little nippy. A little bit. Late night into fall, the evening. Nightfall. Nightfall. Um, but it was it was great, man. The people we expected to be there were there. Everything turned out, turned out better than we thought it was going to be because we was like, because like the last week it was like, oh, now it's like, oh, you're like the scrambling, and scrambling, and yeah, get into that though, like that that last the last seventy two hours or so. Yeah, it was like, like well. Uh, were there things where you like, well, we didn't get this done. F- hey, fuck it. Like, was there stuff that you didn't have that you were supposed to have? Like, no, because I, I I had to work the week the week of, so I didn't have off till Thursday, which was the day before because we had on Friday. Yeah, um, I had to go get all the alcohol. The, yes, the morning did. of. Yes, my car broke down. That did happen. So I had to switch. Yeah, it, I had to switch cars. I'm like, man, good thing my car went through its trouble by the time I got to my house. Yes, my pops came through. You go with the car, boom. So I had to switch everything then. It was it was go time. We had to we all met up at the at the spot, the yep. venue. Um, the only thing that probably went wrong that probably Steph would say, well, for her was like she got there a little late, so Did we she? couldn't take oh the pictures, the pictures before? as many as we couldn't. No, we we got some pictures, but we couldn't take as many because she got there late. So yeah. now it's like once we once you cut into that time. It's like now you play catch rush. up. You yeah, play catch yeah, up, yeah. and then everything's gonna be so. It's no quick. cute like cute getting ready pictures with her and her. No, they did, but it oh. was like, but it was. It was supposed to be more photos of us doing the first the first look. Was what got it, it was got so it. So I got saw it. her before we even went outside. Got it. So got it. we didn't get a chance to do that. Photographs, all yeah, that. Yeah, we type didn't get of stuff. a chance to do as many of those. But got it. That was alright though. Yeah, I too. I I too. Um, I didn't get any photos of myself at that. I hope whoever the photographer that was floating around got yeah. some good pictures. I know she took pictures sure. of me throwing the jacket on. Yeah, you I think can't wait to get that. Yeah, that's gonna be yeah, that's gonna be a special one because that's the only thing I got. Yeah, I didn't even flick up in the mirror or anything. Like that I was I was get, I was busy. 
I was in my own photography mode, catching little moments yeah, and little, yeah, yeah. you know, little, uh, you know, little genuine moments that were happening. I didn't have any time to flick myself up. But man, ceremony was great. Yeah, I got a little. Your brother came through with that do say, <laughs> if I do say so myself. Uh, got nice. a little uh, tipsy. Yes. Uh, but so my speech got a little rambly. I don't really know if I landed a lot of stuff, but the Spanish part. I got that out. He killed that, yeah. Yeah, so I, that was kind of, that was the big part. Thankfully, I thought to put that in there. Yeah, yeah. Because I got up there, and I had all the stuff that I wanted to say, mm-hmm. but it just kind of wasn't coming out how I, I, I would give myself a six and a half. Okay. Just by my own standards. Just I think like, you'd be better than that. Okay, I just, I'm a hard critic. Yeah, yeah. But the Spanish little sprinkle, the jimmies I put on the top yeah, of that, yeah. I think it set it off right, so people kind of were like, I don't know where he was going, but yeah, yeah. He, he hit this off perfectly, yeah. and so that was great. It was funny because I'm glad you ran it by my now brother-in-law. I'm glad you ran it by him because when you when we talked about it, he was uh-huh. like, no, that's not how you... I don't know if you remember this part. Yeah. He's like, no, that's not how you say it. No, he was joking with me. Oh, he was? I said oh, okay. it exactly the same way. Oh, okay. No, I said it the same I way. I thought he was like, no, no I right. ran this by oh, some okay. experts, oh, okay. bro. I knew what I was saying. Like, I, I practiced that. You didn't, You couldn't tell by the inflections? I hit the roll the no, R's. No, I, I caught it. I no, caught I, it. I, I practiced that. I, yeah. I ran that by people. He was just messing with me, which I it, it scared me because, yeah. you know, you know, he looks like Bad Bunny. So I was like, he knows. If anybody knows, it's, it's him. He knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was like, no, I'm just fucking with you. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's what you said. And I said, what did I say? He said, you know, he said this, boom, 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 and like this, and then like that. It's like this. I said, yeah, that's what I was trying to say. So, yeah, so. Um, your brother also great speech. Yeah, man. Uh, he crushed it. He didn't do any of the stuff that we he joked about doing. Thankfully, because he said he was gonna be like, I told y'all, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, I my, knew he was this is that. his day. I knew, <laughs> so, I knew he wasn't gonna do that. Yeah. So um, yeah. But other than that, my um, aunt showed my two aunts showed up, which is my mom's. So she gave an uh, impromptu speech, I guess, because that because that wasn't that wasn't planned. that wasn't planned. Oh, okay. So it was just like oh, she, she, was she, there, got, she, she just felt, she's got, she just she felt inclined. Up, yeah, she hopped up and yeah. Did a little speech, you know, mentioned my mom and everything, and that's what it got. When I when she came up, like, oh. yeah, you knew. Like I didn't. Yeah, listen, the day wasn't complete without a little, yeah, little breakdown, yeah, a little yeah, more. Yeah, but it was yeah, a, yeah. I, it was it was a very special moment, man. It was like I felt like everybody in the room was like, kind of knew what I had to go through and yeah. like how I felt at the time. For sure, like, it was a very touching moment. So it was that was probably the the biggest part, other than me marrying. Yeah, Stephanie's like that part probably was one of the biggest part that stand out that I'll never forget. Yeah. So, no man, it was a special yeah. night, bro. I was incredibly proud. Yeah, man. You look great. You guys looked great together. Yeah. The, the, I'd never seen the, the sit down thing. That's I don't know if that's Catholic, but that was like beautiful and intimate. And yeah. The venue, it looked great when we did a little rehearsal thing, but in the dusk and the everything yeah. and the vines and it was just everything came together yeah. in a in a beautiful way, man. And yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I, I, it was uh, I was really proud that day. It was special, and I can't wait to see those photos of me and your brother walking down the aisle. Yeah, I think those <laughs> legendary. I might get that. Like I said, I might get that blown up and hung up in the yeah, house. Yeah. Like that's that's uh, that was that was a special day, man. And then we had the little post wedding get together reception, and that was cool yeah. just to kick it with you guys and everything. Like it just was like dancing and yeah, man. And, and they played Bad Bunny, and just for you, man. Yeah, so I didn't know if you I didn't know if you peeped this, but while y'all were inside cutting the cake, I got to the DJ before he got set up. Okay. I said, listen, I'm doing some running around right now. Yeah. But when I come out, I'm gonna give you the signal to play Bad Bunny, because <laughs> I'm hitting the dance floor. I need some Bad Bunny to yeah. play. So when I came out, I came out, I had to take a picture with my mom. You know my mom. She's moving, so she wants to be all sentimental and stuff. So she wanna take some pictures. So I took some pictures, uh did a shot with uh, our friend Jones or whatever, and yeah. then came out. Or came out to the dance floor. Mm-hmm. I put two ears behind the, I mean, two fingers behind the back of the ear and wiggled them like yeah, I was yeah. doing a bunny rabbit photo. <laughs> uh, like I was a uh, when you jump in somebody's like photo, photo bomb. I was photo bombing. Yeah. I did two 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 fingers behind the ear like a rabbit. He knew. He pointed to me. He said, I got you. Boom, okay, that song. I didn't see that. Yeah, no, no, it was. 
It was it was it was crazy because it was a setting where it's like people that's super close to me never seen me in that. Yes. In that type of um social environment. Uh-huh. Right? So my grandma was there. She's never seen me dance. She I know you get I didn't know you can dance. Yeah. I didn't know you, my dad went, I didn't know you had that type of rhythm. Uh-huh. Because they have never seen me in those type of those type of situations. You played it before. too cool, bro. Yeah, so I was yeah. like, so it, it, it was funny because also I've never seen my dad I never seen my dad dance ever. Yeah, he, I've never seen him dance. That's surprising to me. And he got, got I was like, man, but I'm glad it was like, I'm glad everybody was like, this is time to have fun. Yeah, cut loose. No, nobody is acting bored. If you can't dance, no. what the hell what? Yeah, Just let, get it, out there let it go. And move. So let it go. I was, like, I was I was proud, man. Yeah, it was, was it was proud. it was a special night, man. Shout out to you. Congratulations yeah, again. Uh, you and your lovely wife. Yes. Doing great things, man. Uh, you know, wish you guys nothing but continued success as always. Thank you. Uh, Fran, uh, we also, in the midst of us being gone, celebrating your wedding and everything like that, mm-hmm. a show has come and gone or still is around and has uh, started this, a lot of conversation. Uh, they released a Jeffrey Dahmer biopic series. I don't mm-hmm. even know what to call I don't even, biopic feels like that's too, like, uh, that's like prestigious. That's for some people that have accomplished things. But I, I mean, that's what it is, though. It's a, it's a biopic of his life yeah. and what he did to uh, uh, the black community that he was living in. And mm-hmm. um, it's caused a lot of controversy. People are saying it should be removed. It's distasteful. I've heard a lot of conversations, and I agree with like <sighs> a lot of conversation around like uh, Sarah Turney has brought up some good points, and Eric from True Consequences, just two, two cool people that I know mm-hmm. um, in the podcasting space that I respect and Much really, respect. really yeah. value their opinion. And I understood kind of what they were where they were coming from, but here's my argument before I throw it to you, is okay. that when you make a sh- So their argument is like, this show serves no purpose. It's just as um, glorifying, and it's for just for people to absorb. Okay. And they're saying, we as a true crime community need to reject this kind of stuff, or at least, you know, be in the room so we can say what is okay and what is not okay because you're re-triggering victims and those all those things around. Because these are real people. These yeah, are not... Right. When you're... Because when you're, when, now what happens is... but. Let me get to my point before I go off on another thing. My point in when that's their argument is saying, but when you make something with this kind of budget and you put it on Netflix, it becomes bigger than a us thing. And I mean us as in like the true crime community. Okay. Because now it's people that don't watch true crime in the real sense of like absorbing and care about victims. Now they're absorbing and they can, they're able to look at it like, oh, Jeff and this guy who's kind of like, he's not real to me and these people aren't real to me and this is just a show. So I can mean these moments from the show mm. and not feel any kind of distaste that I'm making fun of people that actually died. Because people are like, oh, that guy was twerking for his life. Like that guy that was like dancing and so he could yeah. distract him and then he escaped. Or him, or just him just being like, oh, Jeffrey Dahmer jokes about him eating people and being like, oh, I'm, I'm hungry or this type of thing. Or oh, how, how hungry are you to be like a picture of Jeffrey Dahmer? Like people are able to do that because they're so detached from the true crime I was, well, I, was about, I was about to, I don't mean to cut you off, but my question would be to you would be, can you fault them for that no. by not being educated? That's my point. Yeah. And okay. they will never be educated right. because this is just a show that went viral. Black exactly. Twitter got a hold of it. Mm-hmm. You see in the memes, you're like, okay, I'll check that show out. Right. I don't really know who Jeffrey Dahmer is. I don't know anything about true crime. I'm just looking at it like a horror show. Right. So when you say the us thing, it's like, yeah, even if the whole true crime community goes, I agree with that. And that mm-hmm. is distasteful. This is, it's, it's bigger than the true crime community. It blew up. It's like uh, Stranger Things. And sometimes that happens when you put a show together, you put a budget behind it, you put some famous people in it, and then you get black Twitter involved and people start making memes and cutting the clips of the videos. Yeah. and com- You know, the people do commentary. Oh, you better get the fuck up out of it. All that shit that they do, it makes the, the thing become bigger than the true crime community. So even if the whole true crime community goes, you're right, this is distasteful and it serves no purpose and it's re-triggering victims, for every one person that's 
that says that, there's a hundred people that are like, man, girl, did you see the new Netflix show about that guy that eats people? Yeah. And that's it. You're not saying he's a real person. It's based on a true story. These are real victims. These people's names are real. Like all this stuff is real. It's just like, there's a show on Netflix about this guy. He's, he is out there eating people. Mm-hmm. And so when you're battling that, the points that are being made are kind of like pointless to make because you're, you're speaking into a void now. Mm-hmm. Like I hear you, Fran hears you. A lot of people in the true crime community hear you, but this is going to, it's not going to change the millions of other people who are like, I don't even watch this kind of shit. Right. I just watch this. Right. So I'm going to get these. Hot, memes. It's hot. It's the hot, hot thing. It's the yeah. hot thing. I'm going to get these memes off. I'm right. going to get these 100,000 likes and stuff on my little uh, meme video, and, and then I'm going to move on. So we're kind of in this moment where that's what it's going through, and that affects people. Mm. These memes hurt people. All this stuff is true. Yeah. But only the people like that are close to it and have done the education that we've been fortunate to do after doing this podcast for almost five years this month in October, give it yeah. up for us. I'm not going to give it for us right now. We're talking serious. <laughs> but but we've been doing this for five years. We've been able to learn and have conversations with people like Eric and people like Sarah Turney yeah. and, and other people who have been, we ha- we've been had the, uh, you know, the pleasure of sitting down with the sisters of the, um, from the Delphi victims and, mm-hmm. and hear them speak about how media affects them and portrays them and, and is, is, has a negative effect on them. We've been lucky to get that education. But there's a bunch of people out there that's just like, I'm getting these memes off. And this is just some show. It's Halloween time. It's October. I'm watching this show about this guy who brought over a sandwich and tried to get his neighbor to eat the sandwich. And it might be people meat. Like, Mm -hmm. that's it. So it's almost like while that is true and while it is triggering these victims, because these are, like I said, these are real people. Whenever you're making fun of somebody on that show, you're making fun of a real person. This guy, oh, he put the, how do you, how y'all not seeing the stuff bubbling in the, the, the mixed stuff, the drugs bubbling in the drink? It's like, you're making fun of these. This really happened to people, yeah. but they don't they don't care because they're not in the space. They're just people absorbing content on Netflix. Yeah. And that's the danger of it. And that's their point. Like, that's what's dangerous about it. It's like this serves no purpose other than it's trauma porn is the word that they use. Now, I would disagree with that a bit because, I mean, for me, they put it under the category of LGBTQ. Like, that's the category they put it under, like, where you like when you could look up like what it is. And I would disagree that that's what it is. But it is showing like. He was targeting gay black people in a low-income neighborhood and, like, the media didn't care. There is a message in it, but it is also they get the message out after they show you all the fucked up trauma porn stuff. Yeah. While they, they lure you in with the, the creepy music and him eating people and bashing them over the head. And then they're like, also, here's the message. Here's the message. Like, the media didn't believe all these black people. And they tried to tell them for years, but they didn't care because it was happening in this poor neighborhood. And gay people were the victims, so the police weren't really giving a shit or were grossed out that they were gay or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's layered in there, but they draw you in with the fucked up stuff. Yeah, That's how they. That's the focal point of the thing is like, man, of this course. is crazy, right? He eats people, he turns people into zombies. Also, look at how the media, you know, played a role in this and how the police didn't believe these people. That's yeah. like the subplot of the thing. Yeah, But it is there. So I don't think it's just trauma porn. There is, they tried to do something, but they tried to do it after they made the money and got the eyes on it by being like, here's this story about this guy who eats people. Man, oh, he's scary, huh? Let's give him yellow eyes. Like the thing, you learn about why his eyes are yellow in the show, but like the poster for the thing is him with like demonic eyes and you learn about that in the show. They're like, he likes some TV show where they have yellow eyes. That's why his contacts. But if you don't watch the show, you go, are they making this guy like he like looks like a monster? Mm. Like he looks like a monster in the poster. So they played up to that. Like this guy's like like he's not real. Yeah. Like he's like a a monster, like a mythological thing. Like and that's not that's not good because he is a real person and these victims are real. But when you may come out to be this boogeyman, then it makes it easier for you to detach from his victim because it's almost like Jason mm-hmm. or Michael Myers or something like that. So 
know. Did you watch all of it? I'm on like I think I finished the sixth episode, so I think yeah. I'm going to you close. I think seven. it's I think it's ten. Yeah, I think it's ten. I finished it, and like I said, I mean. There are parts of it that are hard to watch. There are parts of it that I'm like, I don't really... Like, uh, you did the story of the guy who killed him. Yeah. And they frame him up to be almost like a righteous guy. Mm-hmm. And I, maybe he was, but it almost it's just it's all very weird. It's just the tone of it is weird. And I, it's like, why, why am I watching this? I watched it because it was super popular and I wanted to, I wanted to give it a fair shot. Yeah. And I did, and that's like, I understand what people are saying, why it shouldn't be on, and I understand what people are saying why you know, what they found the value in it. So I see both sides, but I don't think it should be like removed from Netflix or anything like that. Um, I get it. I think that the conversation that started is important and that's good too. Like, I think that it's important to go, here's an example of something that is sensationalism and it's distasteful and we can be better than this. But also there are points in it. You see, you see something the way black people were treated and stuff. So it's like, I don't know. It's tough. I don't think it should be removed though. I don't think it'll be removed because it's the moneymaker right now. Oh, it won't be removed. That's right. not even a question. Yeah. It won't be removed. But I think that that story, Jeffrey Down, I think that's what makes this true crime thing what it is, though, because of people like him. Yeah. Those are the stories that Those are the stories grab that, people exactly. and, and make them go further in. Right. Yeah. And the thing I don't like about it, because, like, I, I, you know, I haven't, it's one of those stories where, like, I, you know, but I haven't, I haven't touched on it in a while because, yeah. like, I know the story, but I just Heard haven't. It a thousand times. Yeah, I just haven't. I kind of watched it go like, oh, okay, I remember. Mm-hmm. But I just, the drama, the dramatized part of it is like, yeah. I don't remember him being such a, like a, uh, I know he was weird, but oh, I just yeah. don't remember him being so eccentric though. I just don't, I feel like that part is they upped that oh, a little bit they're, for they're, sure. They're definitely doing the TV version of it, but he was, don't get it twisted. He was absolutely a weird guy. Yeah. But I don't know how much of it is. But the thing, but what I'm trying to say is like, by them upping it a little bit, just, you know, just. It's a little bit, it's a little bit steroids on it. Yeah, him being weird, yeah. But I mean, like, damn. Yeah. I mean, like, you go like shit. This well, you want, yeah, just, you want people to be invested, right? That's, but the, but yeah. the, but the people that don't, that's not in these th- this space, mm-hmm. and look at that. You know, they like you say, kind of makes them fake. It makes them fake. Yeah, and then we're like, nobody's like this. This right. guy's like not really like a like a monster. Exactly, but those those people are not educated on it. Like you said, they make they make their jokes and mm-hmm. get their, their shit off or whatever. But it's like they're not thinking about it being real and it's no. being like. These are real victims. It actually happened to real people. It's just like, it's like a scary, it's like fucking scary movie. It's like yeah. a scary movie. It's like, exactly. oh man, this is, yes. he did this. Oh man. Like, yeah. run. It's like, yeah. nah, it's mm-hmm. like, it's just, uh, all that stuff is not that simple where you go, how you not, how you not know yeah. that he put something in your drink? Yeah. It's, 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 it's so easy to say shit like that. Exactly. And that's what, that's what the point that people are making is, is yeah. that when you frame it this way, it makes it easy for people to go like, man, those people are dumb. Those people are blind. Man, you see how he cut that one dude up? You see how he hit that dude over the head with a hammer? It's like, that dude is, a re- that dude is real. Yeah. You're that's talking a real about a real person. And you're yeah. being like, it was crazy, man. He had him drugged and he hit him over the head. And you're talking about this in public. You could walk by one of these people's sister or one of these people's brother. And you're talking about it like it was uh, American Horror Story or yeah. something, you know? And that's detrimental to people's lifelong recovery from your brother being killed by a psychopath you know like that people are still walking around affected by that and now it's the biggest show in the country right now but it also depends on how you're looking at the story like we look at it because we you know we in the space and go like okay you know we know this this is a real thing this happened to real people right but other people can look at it and go like it being informative going like entertainment i need to be entertained but also being like informative being like oh i need to be aware for people this you know what i'm saying like yeah i could be this is be putting out the, putting this out here because people like us should be aware of people like this. Yes, especially in 
those communities, communities where that we like, don't know. I mean, right. I, I didn't know anything. I don't. I didn't know anything about like um, massage houses and me either. You know them going to these after-hour spots. Yeah. He got banned from those places because yeah. he was being a super weirdo, and so he had all these red flags and stuff. But nobody ever really like those people didn't feel safe in that community at the time to call the police and go, "Hey, this guy's coming to this place where we as gays." come and, and, and have sex with each other or have a fun time with each other, we don't feel like this is going to be policed in a way that's helpful. So we just kicked him out on our own. We just told him, don't come back here anymore. But we didn't take a picture of him or get a police report filed because like, we didn't want the police involved in our space because we don't feel safe with the police because the police are homophobic towards yeah. us. And then when stuff so that like allows this... allows him to keep going. It's weird that Jeffrey Dahmer didn't stand out as much as he did because he was a white guy in this black neighborhood. Yeah. But a lot of black serial killers that we've covered are guys that take advantage of Drug addiction in these low-income neighborhoods, people that are forced to dabble in sex work because they need to put food on the table or because they need to feed their a tragic addiction that they have and there's no outlets for them to get the help that they need. Yeah. So there's people on there's like all these people in this in these low-income neighborhoods that are lost and have been left out to survive on their own. And all it takes is some sociopath to come along and go, Oh man, it's like a bunch of people out here that I can just kill and nobody will care about. It. I can take yeah. kill them, dump them, and then the police come, and they go, oh, I think he OD'd. Uh, I think she uh you know, oh, she's a sex worker, so that's just a hazard of the job. And he kind of was doing that, you know. He was luring people in, promises of money that they probably needed, and then, you know, get them in a precarious situation and was killing them. So yeah. the idea that we can, like, Jeffrey Dahmer has six documentaries, 17 movies, a bunch of TV shows and everything like that, and there are stories that I find fascinating about people who are killing people's aunts and moms and, and, and real victims that I can't find articles that are fully detailed. I can't get the details on the person's conviction or anything. Yeah. I can't find any of so this information. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's, it's like you have to double the research because it's like nobody cares. Nobody. And the only reason people cared about this one is because it was Jeffrey Dahmer and it got so crazy. It was like, he's cutting people's heads off and stuff. If this would have turned out. It was over like two decades ago. It's like. Yeah. It's, it, it's, a, it's such a long. It happens in what, late 80s, early, early 90s? Yeah, early so 90s. So it's so long ago. But his name, people Still. know his name for so long. So Still. it's like. He's on the, the Mount Rushmore, if you want to call it that. Yeah. He's of one like of the most guys. famous serial killers yes. of all time. Yeah. It's him, John Wayne Gacy, yep. which they kind of, when you get to him, I won't spoil it, but they kind of touch on him a little bit where they almost made it look like, you know how like uh, in the Marvel movies, they'll show you another superhero that's, that's coming at the end of the movie? Mm-hmm. They you kinda, mean like at the end end? Yeah. they like, like credits and then the like, end? man, who, how are we going to solve this one? And yeah. like a little logo will be in the sky. Mm-hmm. They kind of yeah. did that a little bit with did John they? Wayne Gacy. Okay. I don't think they're going to do a show, but like they kind of set it yeah, up. They did. Oh, no, they did. They did. Uh, Not with these people. They did tip. Oh, okay. What you but they're, they just, they do the same four guys. It's, it's going back in a cycle again. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a, a, I wouldn't be surprised if these same people do a John Wayne Gacy show. Because like yeah. I said, he popped up in it for a second. And it was like interesting. It was scary or whatever. They, whatever they wanted it to do, it did. It was like, okay, that's, whoa, that's intense. Mm. But it's good. Yeah, the, Ted Bundy had his recycle again with Zac Efron and all that shit. Now it's, Je- now it's Jeffrey Dahmer's turn. It'll be John Wayne Gacy's turn again. The Zodiac had, their, had, had his time, but it, because it'll never get solved, I think the interest kind of fell out a little bit. People were like, it's too mysterious. We don't know what happened. We don't need another Zodiac thing. Yeah. But every, all these things kind of go through cycles. And right now it's the Jeffrey Dahmer cycle. And I wouldn't be surprised if John Wayne Gacy, they do a John Wayne Gacy show. I wouldn't be surprised if these same people do a John Wayne Gacy show. If so, they're already working on it. They could already be working on it. Like I said, it felt like when it popped up, it felt like they were doing like a, oh, look, Captain hey, Marvel's hey. coming. Oh, Black Panther's coming soon. Like they'll be in the next Avengers movie. That's what it felt like. So 
like I said, I really feel for and uh, agree with a lot of things I've seen from people from the true crime community and their statements about how the this kind of entertainment yeah. is dangerous and toxic. Yeah. And helps. I definitely don't disagree. Just to be clear, yeah, sir. Yeah, it, yeah. The, like that. It, really, the main point that I agree with wholeheartedly is like it serves. What purpose does this serve? Right. It, it's not telling us anything new. Uh, it, like it's not providing us any new information. It's just rehashing the story in a darker way with a new sensationalized, like yeah. a, a new, like not a new, but like Evan. Evan Peters is like a popular guy and, and girls like him. So now this, the same thing as you where they're like, Oh, Ted, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer was kind of cute. And it's like, no, like we can't. That's not their intentions though. That's not their intentions to, to put more information out. No, it's entertaining. Like you said, it's to entertain. It's to entertain. It's to entertain. And unintentionally, well, intentionally, they wanted as many people to watch it yes. as possible. So that was the intention, and right. it was it was successful. But again, when it goes bigger than the true crime community, that's when you get nobody that absorbs true crime is put making like uh, Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, he's sexy. That's people who go. This is just a show. Yeah. I have no attachment to these exactly. people being real, and I love Evan Peters. I think he's handsome or whatever. So I'm gonna. I thought he was handsome in this role with his glasses. But in ter- like unintentionally, you are propping up. Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. Which they do touch on in the show as well. They touch on like the, the celebrityism of uh, uh, serial killers. And yeah. stuff. They touch on that stuff. Who they, is that guy anyway? The actor? Plays, yeah, who is he? He's from American Horror Story. He reminds me of a... Uh, he plays... Does he play the same... I guess he does that type of role in American Horror Story too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a weird... He reminds movie. me of a uh, uh, Bates. Uh, Norman, Norman Bates. Bates? Yeah, he has that, a Norman Bates kind of energy. Still, he gives me the Norman Bates vibes. He's, a, he's, a, he's, he's, he's played a lot of weird roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He I plays a weird... That. He's played some weird roles in American Horror Story. Okay. But he's a good actor. Yeah. yeah he played Quicksilver in the X-Men movies too. Um, yeah, he's a good actor. Every piece is a good actor. But because people like him, they're now being like, I kind of think Jeffrey Dahmer was kind of sexy. And they're showing scenes of him dancing in the gay clubs. And it just like... It just... It adds to his lore, and that's what he wanted. Because bef- towards the end of his death, he kind of liked getting mail and money and people writing him fan letters and stuff. He enjoyed that. So now he's dead, but like you're kind of feeding that still to show him in this light and make him infamous again mm-hmm. and add to his infamy. And now people are doing it in a cute way, like, "Oh, huh, I'm so hungry, I could eat a person," and you know, like it's like. By the glasses, yeah, you know it's getting it's 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 gross, but that's what happens when you yeah. go bigger than the true crime. Com- now it's gotten out of the the bubble that we are having real in depth conversations about it, and now it's just people getting the memes off and having funny conversations and yeah. stuff, and wanting to be the funniest person. And that just comes with the territory when you make something that blows up. It's serious, but it's gotten so big that it it's impossible to be serious because the internet is so unserious. Yeah, man, it's all about going viral. Yeah, that is the key. When that's, something goes viral, that's the key life. When something goes it's viral, taxes, mm-hmm. death, and going rival. Yeah, going rival. What? Going rival. Going rival. Yeah, going rival. All that money they making? They making tons. <laughs> streaming. Yeah, they, go, they said, hey, man, I think yeah, like, let's let's rip this whole Not. thing down. I think it's streamed as much as Stranger. It's the biggest streaming thing since Stranger Things. I bet. Like because it's hot. It doesn't yeah. like it doesn't matter if you're connected to not if connected to it or not. Like once it's the thing to watch. Once it's trending, yes, people it's, go like it's the thing to oh, watch. Oh, I gotta watch it just because mm-hmm. everybody else everybody else is watching. Exactly. That's why I'm watching. That's the space it's in right now. It's the thing to watch, not for like oh I, I've 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 always been fascinated by Jeffrey Dahmer. Like I don't know who the fuck Jeffrey Dahmer is, but this no. thing is the thing to watch. I know right who he now. is now. Yeah, exactly. Is an introduced them to a whole new generation of people, and the fucked up part that it is that that is about it is that a whole new generation have been introduced to this guy in a way that's palatable and funny and tweets and TikToks and oh people sandwich and all these jokes and shit. 
So it almost makes him even more not real and able yeah. to just be funny and lighthearted and make jokes about him. It's not serious and you forget about the victims. Yeah. And it's just about Jeffrey Dahmer. Well, also, you have to worry about the young audience that's, that's watching too. That's like, they don't know that it's insensitive and it's distasteful. Exactly. And they don't, they don't, they don't give they a don't shit. They don't know any of that. that. They're like, I got to get these off yeah. so I can get my followers up. Take a picture of the screen about. right now. It's a great face oh, that yeah. he's making right now. I'm going to make that a meme. Yeah. So that's the world we live in. Uh, before we get to the shout outs, I uh, want to give a quick. Uh, prayer and and speedy recovery down there. I know we make our jokes about Florida a lot. It is our fucking uh, black sheep cousin. It is a lot of shit always happening in Florida all the time. But yeah. Florida's going through some stuff right now. Hurricane Ian Brace. really really hit them hard. I saw houses floating yeah. down the street. Do you know how they make the names? I think it's the alphabetical order. Oh shit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's I, and they just give it a name. Hmm. Like they just stretch it out, so the next one will be J. But there's storms all over the place, so it's it's going cycles all the time. Didn't Sometimes they're so. They're, I think they even name the storms that like don't make it off out of the ocean. Hmm. So that's why it'll come back around to a B quickly, because hmm. there might be ten storms that didn't touch land, but they still name them. I think I, hmm. I could be wrong about that, but that's how it's alphabetical. Didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. But I don't know why they go like Bertha, or I don't know why why they do that. Like how they come up with that. You know, they just get a when they get to the letters. I think it might just be random. I don't know. I was Ian. Next time it'll be Isaac or something. You know, what was it called when they went to F? It wasn't Franco, <laughs> Fred or something like that. You know, they should call it Fran. But I want that one to be like one of the the um, ones that does affect a me. mild one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. You, I'm sure you have a hurricane named Fran, not Franco. No, it's Fran. just, that's it's not gonna, Hurricane Fran. Fran. Yeah, yeah. It might be Hurricane Fran that happened. You Google it. I am. You can probably Google Hurricane Fran. Might might happen. Um, but yeah, no prayers to them, man. It, uh, man, it, they had ocean scary, water man. coming onto the street, man. They showed a time lapse of a street. The time lapse, and within hours, like the street was gone. Like, no, almost a tree was gone. The person was like, the camera that this is being filmed on is six feet off the ground, and the camera wow. went underwater. Eventually. That's crazy. Man. Yeah, it's um, that's insane. It's it's wild. And then you think about you know because friend of the show JJ also you know shout out to him his princess we have we we spoke about that but just every time I bring it up shout out JJ yeah JJ yeah, congrats man. New dad taking care of his baby. I talked to him on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta send him send him congratulations. Um, he does insurance adjusting, mm-hmm. so I know the post, like the mold and houses are gonna need to be torn Sands down everywhere. Oh man, like the after cars destroyed, you got the, all the like all the uh, insurance situations and liabilities and claims and all that stuff, and being in a waiting line to get your life back together. Seeing people, I don't know if it was real or not, but like. Florida's full of gators. So the whole first floor of your house is flooded underwater. And I saw some pictures and stuff of people. There was like gators in people's homes. Now, I don't know if they were real, real, but I wouldn't be surprised, though, because Florida's overrun with alligators. Holy shit. What? Hurricane Fran. Is one? Yeah. Yeah, I know. 96 to 99. August 23rd, 1996, September 10th, 1996. $5 billion in damage. $5 billion? Yeah. Ooh. But yeah, pray, prayers to Florida, man. And uh, keep your heads up down there, and you guys will... You guys will rally back from this. No Hurricane Alvin, though, so. I'm fine. What that means? I'm, what, what? What does that mean? Boring. Oh, yeah. that was. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't even have a, you don't even have a hurricane named, named after you. You're not even doing Lame. nothing with your life. Yeah. <laughs> not doing, you're doing little things. We're doing big things over here. Hurricanes named after us. Oh, yeah, folks. It's time for some shout outs. Uh, everybody, it is officially Coltober. For the month of October, every week I will be dropping a little 
synopsis, a little quick story with some high high quality production value. If I must say so myself, let me pop my collar on that, friend. I'm putting all kind of sound effects and scores and clips from documentaries and stuff in these quick little synopsis of different cult leaders that I find interesting. Uh, each week through the month of October is Cultober on Patreon. Get over there, join the thing, get get involved. Please, we'd love to have you. It's great content over there on the Patreon. Anyway, let's kick things off. Up first, we got to give a shout out to Cheryl. Hey, Cheryl, shout out to you, Cheryl. That's Cheryl for all of the people that are unenthusiastic about the Baltimore accent. But here in Baltimore, we say Cheryl. Cheryl. Uh, yeah, also, uh, quickly, I was at a funeral recently, uh, and uh, I realized that I, I saw uh, my cousin Terrence. Okay. But here in Baltimore, his name's is Terrence. Terrence. Yes, yeah. Terrence. So uh, shout out to Sh- uh, Cheryl. Keep doing your thing out there. Keep rocking in the free world. Up next, we got Lori B. Shout out to you, Lori. Lori, you be uh, quite the generous person uh, lending us some of those ducats and getting some of that extra content. You, you reached yeah. down in that in that bank account and, and found some money to give to a, a worthy cause. So shout out to you, Lori. Uh, up next, we got Taylor. I got to say your last name because it's hilarious. Blumpkin. Friend, you know what a Blumpkin is? I don't, but I heard Google you say it. Don't worry time. about it. You Google it. You find out about it later. Um, for those of you, please look it up. It's, it's a it's a funny it's a funny last name to have, and I'm sure you had a rough time in high school. But you're an adult now, I assume, and you've overcome that. Uh, I guess people can still make fun of you for it, but whatever. So I mean, is she is she a blumpkin? I don't she, think you could be a, You can't be a blumpkin. You can't be a blumpkin. It's something. Oh, okay. It's an action. It's a verb. It's a verb. Okay, it's a verb. You. Yeah. You, right. If she gives blumpkin, that's her business. We're gonna we're gonna move on. Uh, up next, we got a ooh whoosh. Shanique, mm, Shanique, 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 why? Shanique, oh, I'm, oh, I'm, I swear, I'm wearing I, his name. Yeah, uh, they look lovely. Hair on fleek, curls, bouncing baby curls. Uh, shout out to you, Shanique. I really hope that that's um, your name. And if it's not, please send us a message. I, I didn't mean to disrespect. It could be Shanique, Shanique, It could be Shanique. I think it's Shaniqua though. I think it's Shaniqua. It could just be Shaniqua, but there's a Y on the end. That's what's throwing me off. It was if it was Q U A, I'd go Shaniqua, but it's a Y at the end, so it's making me go Shaniqua. It could be I don't know um, Ethiopian or something. Anyway, up next we got Caitlin. No last name. Shout out to you, Caitlin. Keep doing your thing out there. Icon is a fox. I bet she is too. Ow. Uh, up next we got Julie L. Julie L. Shout out to you. Much appreciation. Much love. Bundle up I don't know if you're In a cooler part of the country But fall is here And it's falling So uh, you know Get those Aztecs out Get those hoodies out It's hoodie season And lastly we got Molly It could be Molly Holy moly guacamole Keep doing your thing Out there Molly ass I'm gonna go ahead And go with Molly Cause that's a more Unique name But I'm gonna bet Based on your Throwing a baby In the sky On an autumn day That's a very Molly thing to do So I'm gonna I'm gonna guess Your name is Molly But I'm gonna Call you Molly so uh, keep doing your thing out there, and shout out to you for joining the Patreon. We appreciate you. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. Don't uh, Google Blumpkin. Don't Google. Oh, yeah, don't don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Shout out to Taylor B. You keep doing your thing. You're not a Blumpkin. You don't give. Yeah. We'll be back. Affirmative Murder is brought to you by My Life in a Book. With Mother's Day right around the corner, I just know you guys are thinking about a truly special gift for your mom. But let me tell you about a pretty priceless gift. MyLifeInABook.com It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book that you could pass down from generation to generation, which I think is a pretty awesome memento to leave behind. Here's how it works. Every week, MyLifeInABook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions that you want to ask. Your mother or the mother 
can either type her response or record her voice. MyLifeInABook.com then compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It would be like preserving her voice and her stories for all of eternity. Your mom's giving you a lifetime of stories, and this is your chance to give her a way to share them. I'm in the middle of my MyLifeInABook.com journey, and I'm really excited to see how it turns out. I've been asking some pretty thought-provoking and funny questions, and, you know, I'm excited to see the response, but I'm also just excited to have the physical book in my hands and know that I can look back on it in 20, 30 years. The interface is super user-friendly. The questions are super easy to set up. It's a breeze of a process. So what I need you to do is check out mylifeinabook.com. That's mylifeinabook.com. And use code AMP. That's A-M as in Mother's Day. P at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for the mom in your life this Mother's Day. One more time. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code AMP for 10% off today. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Welcome back. I'm going first this week. My affirmative murder this week is about the Groblin Four. I talked about this. Um, I, well, I mentioned it a couple episodes ago. Yes. Um, so now I get to do it. Like I wasn't, you know, I didn't do one last week, mm-hmm. but finally I get to do this story. It was a very interesting story, and I'm glad to get to bring it to light. Yeah, well, you were trapped in that can of Bush's baked beans last week, so I didn't want you to do it. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want you to do the story last week. All right, man. Come me some slack. <laughs> So the Groveland, the Groveland Four. Uh, so first, I'm gonna start the story off by just uh, talking about the the four accusers, mm-hmm. or the accused, yeah, um, in yeah. this story. So Charles Greenland, uh, who was born uh, on June fourth, nineteen thirty three, mm. in Florida, was the son of Thomas H. and Emma Greenland, who were born in Georgia and Alabama. His family was living in Columbia County when he was two. But they had moved to Baker County by the time Charles was 12 years old. Bigger? Baker? Baker? Baker. 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 Okay. His father worked in a uh, turpentine manufacturing in 1935 Mm. and later as a laborer, likely also in the timber industry in 1945. And Charles and four of his siblings were all in school. When men were men. Yep. (laughs) When Greenland, Greenland had come to Groveland in July 1949 looking for work as he was already married with his wife and pregnant. Mm. I wouldn't have done well in this time, man. Working at an early age, man, just like. Yeah, and work, cutting down trees? Cutting and doing like physical. Yeah, like, no. Hard labor. No. In the heat, winter, whatever. It's like. Then don't let me, like, you know, I'm trying to 
use whatever kind of tools you use to cut down a tree, and my pearl necklace gets snatched and snatched the pearls from him, and then it's like, going. what Here are we, we doing go. here? Like, you know, you wouldn't have a pearl necklace on if you was doing. Oh that. no, no, <laughs> no, for reasons that we won't even get into. It would have been very dark if I had on a pearl necklace for fashion re- reasons back then. It, it would have been a witch hunt for it sure. It wouldn't fly. It yeah, wouldn't. It fly wasn't. It wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, Walter Ivan. I'm sorry. <laughs> Walter Irvin, I'm sorry. Mm. Walter Walter Lee Irvin, who was born May 8th, 1927 in Gainesville, Florida, was living in Groveland when he registered for the draft in, 19th, in May of 1945. He listed his mother, Ella Irvin, as next of kin. He was working uh, at the time in um, Abshua Grove. I Googled that, but that's not like a, that's not, it wasn't like a today. manufacturing a company. It wasn't like, it was just oh. like an area. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he was recorded as five foot three. Small. And weighed 105 pounds. Oh, small. Svelte. Yes. Jockey. And was, yes, yeah, yeah. That's about the. About the size of a jockey. About the requirements for that, right? Mm-hmm. They, got, yeah, they yeah. have to be lightweight. There's short, a threshold right? for sure, and I'll bet it's, he's at it. Yeah. And was described in his registration as light brown with brown eyes and black hair. That's he served salt, in the army. Sultry. <laughs> he served in the army, leaving with the rank of private. Samuel Shepard, born April 7th, 1927, was born in Fitzgerald, Georgia, to Henry Shepard and his wife, Charlie M. Robinson Shepard. Both from Georgia, his father was working in lumber industry. The Shepard family moved to Groveland, Florida, where his father achieved ownership of his own farm by clearing and developing former swampland. Um, and when Samuel Shepard registered for the draft in 1945, he was described as five foot eight, 149 pounds, with light brown complexion, brown eyes, and black hair. And Shepard and Irvin were friends and fellow veterans after World War II. And last, Ernest Thomas. Ernest Thomas was born in Florida, was married. Uh, was in July of 49, he was married, living and working near Groveland. He had encouraged Greenland, I'm sorry, Greenlee to come there because of jobs related to the citrus grove. So Samuel and er- Walter knew each other. Uh-huh. And Charles and Ernest knew each other. Gotcha. So Ernest told Charles to, hey, Come down, down here. here. It's work, work down That's here. work down here. Mm-hmm. So after returning to Groveland, following their military service, Shepard and Irving both continued to wear their uniforms. They were proud of their service, yes. which some of the local whites resented. Yes. Sheriff, Sheriff Willis McCall was known for supporting segregation and keeping a stronghold on workers and against union organizing. He was part of ensuring there was a ready supply of low-wage workers to man the orange groves, and Shepard could work with his father, and Irving was determined to find an alternate to the Oregon, um, sorry, to the Orange Groves. So, uh, Sh- Shepard, what was his, what was his first name? Samuel worked with work, he worked with his dad, mm-hmm. but this guy McCall, he comes back up in the story, man. I mean, this dude was yeah one a of piece the of work. one of the nastiest parts of this country's history, right there, which you just mentioned, is like there were people who went and served for this country, yeah, man, and they were, came and were treated back like and shit, spat on. You don't, crazy. you don't get the same treatment as a veteran. And then also people feeling like you're throwing it in my face that I didn't serve as a white man. How, how dare you wear that uniform in front of me when I didn't serve? What are yeah. you trying to throw that in my face? And the idea that, you know, these are people's grandparents and stuff. Yeah. And some people th- through that, through that had so much pride in them still that they were like, I'm not going to let you make me feel bad. I, I served this country. But how could you be surprised if somebody in that position, you know, felt the disdain for losing friends, almost dying and stuff, and then the country disrespects them that way, and they go, man, fuck the, fuck the 
government and the army and stuff. And then you birth kids that like don't have as, an appreciation for the flag. And people right. go, why don't you stand up for the anthem? And stuff? I was like, what? Well, everything has a, everything has a history, man. People stood up, they went, fought for the country, came home, they got spat on. Yeah. And some of these people are descendants of those people. Yep. So you might feel those sentiments in your house growing up, like, man, I served for this country, yeah. and they spit on me. It's tough to, you know, the, the fight in, you 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 putting your life on the line for, yes. for the country. Yes. You come home, you're proud. Heroes you welcome. The, yeah, you wear the fucking uniform, get the badges and shit on it, the people are like, fuck you, and it's like, I don't need to, I don't need this. Yeah. Now why, you're, why, now you're why, ashamed. Why should, right, why should I keep wearing this? Yeah. Everything well, I feel, comes I back feel to shame. Prideful for that. Like, Everything no. comes back to shame. So it all began on July 16, 1949, when a 17-year-old white woman, Norma Paget, and her estranged husband told the police that after their car broke down in Lake County, Florida, that four men had stopped to provide help, beat her husband, and raped her. Mm. Irvin and Shepard were arrested shortly after Paget reported the attack. And it's crazy to hear these stories and go like, oh, they found... All for whatever the how many people was immediately, immediately after it happened. Yeah. Right. So the police took the men in their patrol car. Now this was Irving and Shepard mm-hmm. to the men in their to two men in their patrol car to a secluded spot mm-hmm. and ordered them out of the car. Mm-hmm. Both men were beat by police with blackjacks. We talked about that yeah. a couple of episodes ago. What it was looks it looks weird like a little whip. It looks like a little whip. Uh, they beat him with blackjacks and fists and kicked them as mm. they lay on the ground. While being asked if they had picked up a white woman or a white or seventy year old white girl, afterward, they were taken to the spot where the crime happened. Mm-hmm. Dep- Deputy Yates inspected Shepard's shoes, which he had worn the night before. Yates was frustrated to see that the soles did not match the footprints on the ground at the scene. Wow, we're trying to we're trying to pin this on you. We're trying to you making it you making it difficult mm-hmm. for us to do that. Making my job hard, job hard by not having the shoes on of the person that did the crime. I have to do more work. Mm-hmm. I have to do the actual work to make it fit to you. prove that it that you did it. Mm-hmm. So where's those shoes? Put some soles back on. Yeah, whatever yeah. soles you had, put them back on. Go the put whatever uh, Jigaboo shoes you had on the other night when you were out here uh, terrorizing these nice white people. Where's the hush puppies? Put on the hush puppies that you had on. So we can solve this crime. Where are the Jordans? You're like, who's that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like 1932. <laughs> who's that? Jordan who? <laughs> Nobody knows who he is. Right? Those dudes didn't exist right That's hilarious. So Irvin's, Irvin's was this, what, were, were the same, but Irvin claimed that he was wearing a different pair of shoes. Mm. The two men were taken to Tavares Jail where they were interrogated in the basement while cuffed to an overhead pipes and severely beaten. Oh, so like a POW style, like they were hanging, yeah, hanging from pipes. Oh, with wow. Yep. So a mob rioted and burned Shepard's house and two others to the ground. Only the presence of the National Guard halted the destruction caused by the caused by the rioters. Wow. Cockcroft, the leader of the riot, revealed, the, and it's always some dude that's like doesn't have any ties with uh, law enforcement. No, just some dude. Just some fucking guy that lives down the street at the mm-hmm. corner yeah. that owns the corner bakery that goes like, hey, and everybody knows who he is. So yeah. he gets the, he can rally the troops because mm-hmm. everybody knows who he is. Everybody goes to a store. Yep. And then they go fuck some shit up. Mm-hmm. Cockcroft, the leader of the riot, revealed that mob revealed the mob's intentions when he told the reporter. So they can just go in there and be up. Yeah, I'm in the camera. Plainly just in the camera. Yeah, we did. No that. mask on. Of course. Well, the reason we did it. <laughs> so you're saying you did it? Hell yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, we did it. Of course. Damn right. Yeah. Got a little accent and shit. <laughs> so the next time. We'll clean out every Negro in the section in South Lake County. Mm. So he's like, yeah, we did it. 
But the next time we do it, never will be any of them. We clean. We gonna clean. House. We don't want them around here. Yep. You see, we always knew this is what they do. Yeah. So now we got to get all of them out of here. Yeah, get them out. Yeah. Yep. Charles Greenland was a 16 year old who was waiting at a train station to meet Thomas. He was arrested and brought to the police station under suspicion. Just waiting at the train station. Yep. Greenland was interrogated and beaten in his cell that night until he admitted to the rape of Norma Padgett. He was 16. Scared. Scared. Beaten. Nobody by his side. Mm. Thomas escaped capture and fled Lake County the following morning. Greenlee admitted to having been with Thomas. Police learned where, where the latter lived and where he was hiding as they found a letter in his mailbox, in his letterbox is what they called it, mm-hmm. his letterbox addressed to his wife. So he's digging through his shit, I guess. Yeah. So the infamous Lake County Sheriff Willis McCall, man, this guy, appointed a posse of more than a thousand armed men. Mm, just guys. Just guys. Lumberjacks yep. and orange tree And he, this dude's the county sheriff. Yeah. He can deputize people, though. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. They found and killed Thomas about 200 miles away in Madison County, Florida. Wow. Following a a lengthy chase through the swamps, he was shot by the posse at least 400 times and died from his wounds. Obviously. Wow. 400 times. Yep. So just a little bit of insight on this guy, Willis, the sheriff, Willis McCall. Um, This guy also enforced anti-miscegenation laws. Mm-hmm. And was a segregationist. He had been acquitted of a murder in 1972 of Tommy J. Vikers, a mentally disabled black prisoner who died in his custody. He was elected for seven. He was elected for seven consecutive terms from 1944 to 1972. They loved it for sheriff in Lake County, Florida. Mm -hmm. And then 2007, you know, it wasn't that long ago. Mm -hmm. The Lake County Commission voted unanimously to change a road name in his honor. Oh wow! Yep, twenty years before, because he because of his history as a bully lawman—that's what they call him—a bully lawman whose notorious tenure was marked by charges of racial intolerance, brutality, and murder. And they were like, "Great, you're doing." Just a, give him a street name. You're doing a great job. Yeah, man, he's doing it. Hey, that's what we got. That's what we continually mm-hmm. voted you in for. He doesn't want any race mixing. It's against the law. Then, like, don't let me catch you huh? uh, mixing your cocoa, your cocoa puffs with the milk. It's, or you're going to prison, yep. and they're like, you're doing great. Let's name, a, let's name a road after Give him a statue. Think about how many, like, I didn't even think about that, man. The statue is one thing. What about how many streets names, like our last names of super fucking racist-ass people? Yeah. We don't know. Robinson Street, this street, that street. We don't know who that's don't named know. after. Don't know. How are you going to bury that? We, no, somebody, yeah, somebody we, we're not do doing all this. We're not, we're not changing the We're not messing up the grid system because no. y'all uh, are woke now. No. <laughs> Yeah, so they murdered this man. Um, officers reported that Thomas was armed and listen, armed mm-hmm. and allegedly reached for a weapon. I bet he did. I'm sure he did. So this Running happened. Away. This happened 70 plus years ago, mm-hmm. and not a damn thing has changed. Yeah, same. That's a defense. Just a defense. Justifiable shooting. Justifiable shooting. So according to the coroner's uh, report, Lake County Sheriff McCall was at the scene when Thomas was shot. The coroner's jury determined that Thomas had been lawfully lawfully killed and ruled his death as a justifiable homicide. Mm, I bet they did. So a grand jury indicted the three remaining rape suspects, Shepard and Greenlee, separately. Uh, it later told the FBI investigators that the deputies beat them until they confessed. 
Irvin refused. Now, Irvin was a strong, courageous young man. Was like, I didn't, I didn't do this. I didn't do this at no all. Plea. I'm not doing a plea. Y'all can beat the shot of me. I'm not saying I, I'm not. So it's Irving, Shepard, and Greenlee left. Yes. Okay. So Irvin, Irvin refused to confess, despite also being severely beaten. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a yeah, standing in your shit, man. Standing, standing his ground, and yeah. for you to take all those beatings and being st- and still having the strength to go like, no, I didn't do this. Strong, strong. Old. Yep. An FBI investigation concluded that the Lake County Sheriff's Department deputies James Yates and Leroy Campbell were responsible for the beatings. And agents documented the physical abuse with photographs. The Justice Department urged the U.S. attorney in Tampa to file charges, but the U.S. attorney Herbert Phillips was reluctant and failed to return indictments. A white Leroy. (laughs) Interesting. Caught you off guard, huh? Well, you know, back in the day, it was people like, you know, white people named like Tavares and stuff. Names that didn't, white people kind of. I, I got to make a list of that one. They those got days. away. Oh, yeah, they yeah. stepped away from those. Like, yeah. this is too black. Jerome. There was white Jeromes. You know, there's some names that white people stepped away from. Like, this is, um, yeah. it's getting a little too colorful. Stick with the Pauls and the Michaels <laughs> and Bible and the names. And shit like yes, that. Yeah, yeah, So the NCAA helped with the men's defense, hiring an Orlando attorney, Franklin Williams. After interviewing the three surviving suspects, Williams said each had independently stated that he was beaten by Lake County deputies. Shepard and Greenlee both told FBI agents that they confessed to raping Paget in order to stop the beatings. Mm. Irvin never confessed and maintained his innocence. Williams documented the, vis- the visible evidence of their injuries. Shepard- Shepard's injuries included scars on his head, broken teeth, mm. Tooth puncture of his upper lip, lash scars across his back and chest, and scars on his wrists. You know, from him just being hung up. Hung up, yep. Which supported Shepard's claim that he had been cuffed to a metal pipe. Irvin had similar injuries, body scars, wide bruises, lash marks, scars across his wrists, and and an apparently fractured jaw. Greenlee's injuries included a a red and bruised left eye, scars on the right cheekbone, and around the neck and growing, swollen testicles, oh. and numerous cuts on his feet. Thurgood Marshall, the lead lawyer of the NCAA, pressed the Justice Department and the FBI to initiate a civil rights and domestic violence investigation into the beatings. Legend. Legend, man. Yep. Rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman, too. He did a great job in Marshall, man. That was, that's a great biopic, man. Yeah. So Marshall convinced the Justice Department that the beatings violated the men's rights and the FBI dispatched agents to investigate. The FBI later concluded that the Lake, the Lake County deputies James Yates and Leroy Campbell had violated the Groveland men's civil rights and urged U.S. Attorney Herbert Phillips to Florida to prosecute, but a grand jury did not return indictments of the deputies. Sure. So they was trying, man, but these mm-hmm. people did whatever they could to be just to, just to brush it off. This down here is Gator Law. Yep. So the, prosecu- the prosecution never introduced the coerced confessions, and evidence into the trial. There is uncertainty about whether Paget was raped. The prosecution did not question Dr. Jeffrey Banville, the physician who examined her, mm-hmm. on the stand. Judge Truman, Truman Funch did not permit the defense to call the doctor as a witness. So, I mean, like again, it's kind of like they all are in cahoots with, with each other. With, with each other yeah, they're going to put the reports like, that they want to be out right, to so fit like, their narrative. According to his records, Banville could not tell whether she had been raped. 
he found no evidence of tears or wounds in the vagina. Laboratory analysis of the vaginal smear revealed no spermatosium, which is sperm, Mm -hmm. present in the vagina or any organisms resembling um, they use they the word they use uh, in the article I read was gonococcus, which is kind of the same as gonorrhea. Oh, um, I guess is they I guess it's something they use to like to tell if to tell if somebody a, for, a yeah. foreign substance inside of your body. Or, yeah, exactly. Okay, interesting. Which they were saying that which would have been evidence of you know sexual assault, sexual rape. assault over rape. Yeah, there were no other gross signs of bruises, breaks in the skin, or other signs of violence. I, you know, are you surprised? Well, well, it's like you want to believe a victim right. that she was at least that's what's hard. That's by somebody. That's that what I thought about. That makes it so much well. more evil because yeah. it's like to say she, basically her and her husband just lied to lie is like crazy. Yeah. As opposed to maybe her husband raped her or you know so, her husband assaulted her in some kind of way, and then he goes, "We got to bl- you're not going to make me look bad. We got to blame this on some random black guys." Right. But if they're if they're saying. There's no evidence of anything. That's like, okay, that makes it evil. So yeah. it's like, I would, I don't know. I, yeah, that's 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 because that's like a whole different thing, right? Because like you know, when we read these stories, like you see the title, and like the title is just like the other the other two that I know about, mm. right? So it's like the Groveland Four and the Central Park Five. It's like we know because we look at them and go like, okay, these people were wrongly accused of whatever happened in a, in in that situation. Yeah, but I don't like to read these stories and go like, hush. That person was lying. Yeah, I, just, I don't like. Yeah, I don't no, like from sure. the jump for thinking sure. that until like for you know sure. I read and go like, okay. Well. Because the jogger woman in the Central Park Five case was absolutely attacked right. by somebody. somebody say, attacked by her, her, we don't even know. We don't yes, know. That's that that puts this in a different where it's like that just makes this potentially just like straight up evil. Like, yeah, let's just fuck with some people, or maybe they got into some kind of art. Well, no, because they didn't even they didn't name these people. They just said it was four black guys. It's four black guys. Back, they beat. And they, just and they, went, beat. they just went and wrangled them yeah. some up. Yep. So that's like, why? Why? You know what happened? You no, know? We don't know. So Shepard and Irvin said that they had been together drinking in Eatonville, Florida, the night of the alleged attack. Greenlee said he was nowhere near the other defendants on that night, and that he had never met Shepard and Irvin before. So yeah, so I told you in the mm-hmm. beginning, two yeah. of them, two there was four of them. Yeah, two you, of them knew, two knew each two other, other, and the other two did. And then they all not they didn't all didn't know each other. So the defense accused Sheriff McCall's deputies of man, manufacturing evidence to win a conviction. All three men were convicted by an all-white jury. Shepard and Irving were sentenced to death, and Grilling mm. was sentenced to life because he was a minor. Mm. The NAACP took and took on assisting the defense in appeals. In 1951, Marshall led the defense in appeals. Appeals hearing for Irvin and Shepard at the U.S. Supreme Court. It overturned the conviction of both men based on adverse pretrial publicity and remanded the case to the lower court for a new trial. And Greenlee had not appealed in his sentence of life imprisonment. That was the young one. Uh-huh. So McCall was transporting Shepard and Irving from Ryford State Prison back to Lake County Jail. When he claimed to have a flat tire, along with two handcuffed prisoners, McCall pulled down a dirt road to inspect the tire. This was outside of, um, now it's two, it's two ways I saw in the video to pronounce this, this city in Florida. It's uh-huh. Umatilla, Umatilla, Florida, or, U, or Umatilla, Florida. 
Right? Mm. I don't know. It's two ways. I don't know. Got it. Maybe the listeners may like, oh, I know. I, this is how you say it. Because mm-hmm. I, I know that area, right? And that, that was north of Tavares. He claimed that Shepard asked to relieve himself. And when the two prisoners cuffed together, got out of the car, they attacked Mr. McCall. He drew his, his pistol mm-hmm. and shot at them. The shooting took place on a dark county road outside the town. Now, we know, I already brought up the history of this guy. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. These are two handcuffed guys in the back of his truck that who had have, the pee. Who have, and who have Thurgood Marshall behind them. They're appealing the process. Yes. Stuff's coming out. Yep. They probably didn't and have they to atta- pee. And they attacked him. They probably didn't have to pee. They probably, it was nobody's idea. I bet you if you were to check that car, if you could check that car today, I bet you'd find a bullet or a, a, a knife stab in the tire to where he goes, oh, we just randomly got a flat. Whereas what probably happened is yeah. it was an assassination, yep. pulled the car over himself, told them to get out of the van, killed these two gentlemen, and then flattened the tire himself. Yep. You got to make it, you got to make it look, make it look real. You got to come up with your story. Yeah, so he drew his pistol, shot at them. The shooting took place on a dark county road outside the town. He shot each prisoner three times. Shepard was killed instantly. Mm-hmm. And Irvin survived by playing dead. Whoa. Yeah, man. And he did a hell of a job doing that. I bet. So, so the following morning at the hospital where he had been taken for treatment, Irvin told FBI agents and reporter Mabel Norris Reese. Shout out to her. I'll mention her later. She was, man. The shooting was unprovoked. Uh-huh. He said McCall had shot him and Shepard in cold blood, mm. staging the scene yep. to make it look like an es- escape attempt, Uh-huh. and that the Lake County Deputy James Yates had joined McCall at the scene. Mm. So they could talk it over. Of course. We, we're gonna show, let me flatten the tire, because you got to have a reason why you pulled over here. Mm-hmm. All of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So McCall, so he joined McCall at the scene. They seen Irving that he was still breathing as he was... You know, planned it. Yeah. They fired one last shot through Irvin's neck. Oh. Irvin survived. Now, he was shot. And they shot him again. And they and finished he him off. Dead, and he, and like, he didn't and react to that. Man. So, yeah, they, they, they fired one last shot through Irvin's neck. Irvin survived. Oh. The FBI later found a bullet buried in the ground beneath Irvin's blood, under his, underneath, his, underneath his blood spot, that appeared to support his account of the shooting. A nail found in, in the front wheel of McCall's Car appeared to have caused his claimed, you know, tire right. trouble uh-huh. that night. McCall said that he had no idea how the nail got there, uh-huh. but the FBI believed that it had been placed there. Mm-hmm. Placed in a knife hole from stabbing your own tire. Yep. So an all-white coroner's jury made up of many McCall's friends. Uh, well, I mean, this dude was, he's running plugged, the town. Plugged in. Yep. Plugged in. Took in half a half hour, 30 minutes, to find Shepard's death justified. They concluded that McCall had been acting in the line of duty in self-defense, and McCall was cleared of any wrongdoing. What a surprise, huh? Shocking. Why would you even try to jump somebody chained up? It didn't make any sense. Especially if you were on the same page. Yeah. If me and you handcuffed and you go, Get him! Mexico, what? I go, man. Nah, man, yeah. and I'm not ready? Yeah, no. <laughs> Disorganized, yeah. You guys have to. We guys have to be like championship potato sack racers, where you guys have been in situations where you're moving in tandem to yes. be able to do that together. Yes, that's crazy. We have to be in sync 100 percent for yeah. us to. We have to be twins. <laughs> yes. The only way this works is if these are twins. Exactly. So, Mr. Harry T. Moore. Again, so people who haven't heard episode for 241, I mentioned 
Harry T. Moore and yes. uh and that episode of the pod. Mm-hmm. Uh, just to kind of reiterate on his story to people that haven't heard it. Uh, so I did that story last week. Mr. Harry T. Moore was a very educator. Yep, a very exactly. intelligent, a very intelligent man who was a civil rights leader and activist, an educator, and a pioneer. Yes. All of them. Mm-hmm. So he was the executive director of the NAACP chapter in Florida. He tried fighting wage increase for teachers, for black teachers, most specifically, um, and segregated public schools and unfair working conditions. And trying to, you know, break voting barriers for black people who were scared because of the repercussions of what could have happened if they vote from these white people yes. in that town. That's kind of just to speed everybody up that didn't hear. Mm-hmm. Oh, who forgot? So Mr. Harry T. Moore, executive director of the Florida NAACP, demanded in 1951 that McCall be indicted for murder following the Groveland rape case and requested that the governor suspend him from office. Six weeks after calling from uh, McCall's removal, Moore and his wife were killed by a bomb that exploded under their bedroom in Mims, Brevard County, Florida. Wow. That's what happened to him. People that don't know the story, and I talked about it a couple episodes ago. So he was calling for the resignation of the deputy... Or I the sheriff. Br- yeah, because I didn't bring that up in Yeah, yeah. Exactly what happened. Yeah. We knew we knew we knew also why that happened, but we don't know the main reason of why his house was bombed. Yeah. Wow. So Mr. That was a that was a that was a McCall. That was one of his one of his plugs. Was McCall the guy that came into the I remember in that story he like there was a there was a sheriff that like walked into the church where they were congregating and was like, Y'all don't want to vote, right? I, I, I think that was it. It had this this dude was his handprint was all over that. Yeah, the town. That town, man. Being the spokesperson and everything. Yeah. Yeah, so Moore and his wife, you know, they were killed by a bomb that exploded under their bedroom house in uh Florida, which was in December twenty fifth of nineteen fifty nineteen fifty one. But in an extensive FBI investigation at the time, an additional separate investigation in nineteen seventy eight, nineteen ninety one, and two thousand five found no evidence of McCall's involvement. So this that case opened up three different times, and it was like we can't pin it on him. We can't pin it on him. So Harry T. Moore was the first NAACP member and official to be assassinated for civil rights activism. The couple are the only husband and wife to be killed for the movement, mm. and Moore has been called the first martyr. So now it's only Irvin and Greenlee, Greenlee, Greenlee. are alive. So after recovering from his shooting wounds, Irvin was tried again after refusing a deal from the prosecutor and Governor Fuller warned, Fuller warned that would have spared him from a death sentence if he played guilty. My man Irvin was like, no, nah, no, nah. none of these. Y'all not about to connect the money to this. For me to saying, I, yeah. I did it. You know, that's gonna, yeah, that's he's like, whatever happens, happens conviction wise. But I didn't do this on and record, I'm, and, I'm not, and I'm not right. saying I right did. on record. Y'all don't got me saying I'm guilty. That guy, man. His defense counsel, Mr. Thurgood Marshall, gained a change of venue to Marion County, Florida, because of the extensive and adverse publicity around the case in Lake County. Marshall led the defense team from the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. Irvin was found, I'm sorry, Irvin was again found guilty. Judge Fuchs, who was again presiding, sentenced him to death. So nothing changed. Yeah. After Leroy Collins was elected governor in 1954, questions were raised to him about Irvin's case. Because he was considered moderate, he reviewed it and in 1955 commuted Irvin's sentence to life in prison. 
stating that neither trial proved conclusively that Irvin was guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Irvin was paroled in 1968, and in 1969, he visited Lake County, where he was found dead in his car. Wow. Officially of natural causes. I can't trust anything that comes out of Lake County, a coroner or anything like that. Yep. Visited Lake County dead in his car. Yep. Wow. A year later. Rolled in 68, died in 69. Rolled. Got out. Yeah. Wow. Greenlee was paroled from prison in 1962. He moved to Nashville, Tennessee. Get the fuck out, the fuck out of Florida. With his, with, <laughs> oh, yeah, you got it. With his wife, their daughter, Carol, who was born in 1950. Uh, they had a son, Thomas, in 1965. And Greenlee died on April 18th, 2012. Whoa. But did not, yeah. But did not... Um, but did not before seeing Gilbert King's 2012 book about the case public. So Gilbert King wrote this book about the Groveland Four. Mm. In 2016, the Lake County Commission followed Groveland Mayor Tim Locks in presenting the surviving families in the Groveland Four with a posthumous apology. Both Locks Great. and members of the Lake County Commission then began lobbying state lawmakers to do the same. What apologize? Yeah. <laughs> Senator Thompson filed a proposed resolution for considering, I'm sorry, for consideration during the 2016 legislative session to clear the names of Greenlee, Irvin, Shepard, and Thomas. And note the egregious wrongs the criminal justice system perpetrated against them. So on April 18th of 2017, the Florida House of Representatives passed a resolution sponsored by State Representative. Bobby Dubos, uh, requesting exoneration of the four men and apologizing to their families for the injustice of the case. The Florida State Senate passed an identical resolution sponsored by the Senate Gary Farmer on April 27, 2017. Resolutions called on Governor Rick Scott to expedite the process to grant posthumous pardons. Lawmakers also called Scott to pardon the men. So they try to like, all right, let's speed this thing up. Yeah. Say, say sorry. Yeah. <laughs> say sorry. Clear, Speed and clear, the and clear the name. Just posthumously. Three of them are dead. There's one guy left, 2012, old. Let him die with his name vindicated. Y'all holding it up with yellow tape and bureaucracy or whatever. Yep. So in January 11th of 2019, the Florida Board of Ex- Executive Clemency with newly, newly seated Governor Ron DeSantis at the helm, uh. unanimous, unanimously agreed to pardon the Groveland Four. 70, 70 years is a long time, DeSantis said before taking office. And that's the amount of time four young men have been wrongfully written into Florida history of crimes they did not commit and punishments they did not deserve. What? Yes. No, it's just like, <laughs> given this whole impassioned bullshit fucking to get in po- posturing office? speech... When all four of them are dead. Yeah. The, and the longest living guy, thankfully, made it to 2012. Yeah. And that wasn't even long enough. They didn't even get around to it until seven, another seven years later. Yeah. So everybody's dead and you want to you you bang, you know, bang your fist on a podium and talk about how this is unjust or whatever. And Over 70 it just years. Is, it's just too late. Oh, posthumous fucking honorary apology. Whatever, man. Norma Padgett. Then 86 years old, speaking publicly about the case for the first time since 1952, 
attended the clemency board hearing to make a statement against exoneration. I got some clips I'm about to play, right? I got two clips. She came there to say, no, don't exonerate them posthumously? I got two clips. Man, I got to hear um, So this is it's come down to the end of my story. Now, I got two clips. The first clip is like a minute, minute long. The second clip is my favorite clip. It's a little long, but it's a good clip. And I don't want them pardoned. No, I do not. And you wouldn't either. I know she called me a liar, but I'm not no liar. If I had to go to court today, I could tell you the same story that I told then. And right now, my nerves are so bad and, just, and I'm quivering on the inside, I can't help it. And I'm, I'm begging y'all not to give him pardon because they done it. And y'all can, you, your minds might be made up. I don't know. You are made up. <coughs> and if you do, y'all gonna be just as bad, y'all gonna be just like them. I mean, and that's all I've got to say because I know I'm telling the truth. So that was Miss Norma Paget. Mm. She's old, but that didn't. I, I don't want to say I, I don't believe people, but I. That was like somebody that's saying, "I'm telling you, I did not eat those cookies. I swear, like I would never eat them." And you, even if you don't believe mm-hmm. me, I don't even care. Like it just is. There was no conviction. Like I don't know. She, she sounded like bullshit. Uh, I feel yeah, bad I mean, that, but like she showed up to an anti-clemency hearing for people that are dead. Yeah. She doesn't even want their name cleared. I think if you're going to That be makes all, me feel like that that's a person who's telling the truth, but I think, it doesn't I think, sound like she I think if you're going to be all in on it. Yeah, you got to die with the lie. You got to die with the lie. You got to be all in on it. Because she's still alive. She's so if you guys if you guys exonerate these people, then you're calling me a liar, and I still have to walk around here alive. As a liar. Yeah. So I got to show up. I got, like, I have to do this. Yeah. Well, I have to show up and say, yeah, no, so don't. Also, something happens in my clip. Now, I do want to mention that. For me, this is just me personally, right? I don't find nothing more satisfying than hearing a strong, educated uh-huh. black woman's voice. Yes. That fills up a room. Yes. With facts. Mm-hmm. Confidence. Mm-hmm. And got all that shit together to be like, this is what happened. Yes. So all y'all shut the fuck up. Or whoever, you, Miss mm-hmm. Norma. Yes. You shut the fuck up because this is what happened. Which, and what you're doing is lying to yes. the people in this courtroom. Nothing more. Oh, yeah. I love it. Shout out to Stacey Abrams. Now. Shout out to Michelle Obama. Yeah, so let me play this clip, man. This mm-hmm. is this is my, one of my favorite clips. I'm Dr. Beverly Robinson, and I am the first cousin of Samuel Shepard. Mm, like I want to start by saying this. I agree. Pardon is not the right word. The right word is exonerate Mm. because it never happened. I was reading the letter that my Mm. family and other families sent to you. And at the bottom it says, of course you all have it in front of you, this week the Orlando Sentinel reported that family members Mm -hmm. of the Groveland 4 accuser had written clemency board members in a last-minute effort Mm. to block justice. Though we are saddened by their action, 
it does not appear they have countered any of the overwhelming evidence of innocence. Mm, speak on it. That was the beginning part of my clip. I just wanted you to hear the part and just yes. give you. She came on there. She came on there. Base, bolsterous. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Because so, it did not happen. I love it. Velvet. I love. <laughs> I love it. So the, uh, the second part, I want you guys to listen closely because this is this shut the whole shit down. Mm. I mean, it, sh- it shut it. It was like I was like, oh, <laughs> you guys. Oh man, it just so. Uh, so make sure you guys are, are listening to this part. Let me bring to your attention that in 1997, I was then a professor of education at the local state, now state, but then community college. Mm, credentials. At that time, the Florida legislature had also mandated that all teachers in the state of Florida must take a course on cultural diversity. Mm. I was that instructor to teach that course. Mm. It's giving Annalise Keating. One of the first assignments I gave my students was for them to write an essay on the first time they encountered racism in their lives. Listen up, people. As I was reading the papers, the final paper that I began to read gave a detailed account of what happened that night. In fact, that was the title of the paper, What Happened the Night in Groveland. As I got to the end of that paper, I guess that's how God works, I then got a call from the hospital that my 88-year-old aunt was going into cardiac arrest. Mm. But by then, I was in complete shock of what I had read in the paper. The paper, Paget family, was written by your niece, Ms. Paget, who said in the paper, in her letter, and in, in, in her essay, that it never happened. Mm. The family swore all of them to secrecy that they were to never tell the truth. God works in mysterious ways, don't it? Wow. Do the whole, shut the whole shit down. What are, what, what are the odds, man? Wow. You're the student of the, your teacher is a, is a descendant of the Groveland Four, and you write a confession as a, as a school project. No, she shut that down. Shut it all down. Period. Ah, period. Uh, period. Ah, period. Uh, uh, wow. No, that's that's big. Why isn't this a movie? Crazy. You know what I mean? Like this is this is the this is where my part of the Jeffrey Dahmer shit gets in. But like, this is fascinating. That's fat. That's fascinating. I would love to see that played out in a in a biopic of some sort. That that moment is incredible. That's a that's in the courtroom. To be reading that, you get a phone call. One of your loved ones is dying while you're receiving this information that's exonerating yep. another one of your loved ones. Like, oh wow. Yep. Mm. It never happened before. They swore an oath, and she showed up to court to keep that oath alive. We we, we can't ever let this come out. Yep. Wow. Crazy man. Wow. I was like, what? It never happened. Oh. In the paper. Man. Mm. I loved every bit of it. When she it's just like she got up there and was like, had this information that nobody like, that nobody knew. Watch this. Just dropped the bomb on the place. Mm. But for her to be like No crumbs were left. No, no. Your niece wrote St- a sta- Dropped the dime. Dropped the dime mm. and was like, it never happened. Mm-hmm. 
your niece, whoever her name is, mm-hmm. you know, you know, you know, you're talking about, you know, it's one of those that blue haired, that blue haired niece that doesn't agree with any of the stuff you guys say at Thanksgiving. <laughs> you guys are racist. I'm, I go to a liberal college and yep. yeah, no, that niece dropped the whole row of dimes on the whole family. Man, Y'all are all scumbags that are, are keeping this lie alive. Yep. So this is what this was like. This was 2018, 2019. When was this? 2019. Yeah. 2019. It was probably was like, I got to get this off my I chest. I feel off. terrible. This is crazy. This is, this is sad. I feel terrible. Yeah. 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 This is awful. So DeSantis issued the four men full posthumous pardon in 2019, but they were not exonerated by the state until 2021. Jesus. When November 22nd of 2021, Judge Heidi Davis granted the state's motion to posthumously dismiss the indictments of Thomas Shepard and vacated and vacated the convicts, the con- sorry, the convictions of Greenlee and Irving. So another person that played a, a big part in, you know, helping this get to where it ended. You know, yeah, fortunately, was journalist Mabel Norris Reese who exposed the truth about the Groveland Four, and when she did that, yeah, you know, this is a white lady. So when you know when you're going against the gang for them, yeah, yeah. it's like no, nah, you, yeah, you put yourself at risk. You the ops now. You getting phone calls in the middle of the night, threats the and stuff. Yeah, so she sure. was she exposed what was happening. Yeah, she exposed that murderous. Sheriff McCall. Yeah. And she became a target of the KKK. Oh, yeah. Right? Of course. They burned a cross on her front yard. Ooh. They bombed her house. Mm. They murdered her precious dog. I mean, as a journalist, though, when that stuff's happening to you, like, oh, I'm on to something for yeah. sure. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. No better signs than, like, all this awful stuff. It's like, oh, I'm on to something. Yeah. yeah. You fucking, you, you know, you. You, you bark up the right trees. But you barking up the right tree. Right. But she was quoted saying that if the KKK think they can just run me off or intimidate me, they got the wrong lady. I like that. Yep. But that lady, Miss, she has a like she has a statue in um some city in, in Florida. Um, she has a statue. Like a like a like a uh, like a busk. Like a like is that a, what it's called? Just, just the face? head. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. But her help, you know, yeah. the work that she did. She put a spotlight helped. on the story. Exactly. But she was a courageous woman. Clearly a woman of integrity. Yes. Because it was like, you know, these dudes were wrongly, for, you know. Absolutely. It's not, this is not right. Yes. You no, know, right? It's not right. Uh, but yeah, she got a Florida. And as a, a woman, in, yeah. as a woman, as a white woman, going against a, yeah. a woman and saying, no, she's a liar about yeah. being sexually assaulted. Yeah. That is a, that's a bold stance to take. Yeah, but I mean, like, you just have, you have to know what's, what's right from Sure, wrong. but like. Oh, that's what, that's that. the integrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's as a journalist, you go to your boss and you go, "Hey, there's a story about this woman who was raped by four guys. I, I'm gonna write stories about how she's a liar." Yeah, that's like what? Well, how about the sheriff? That's just like crooked and just fucking. Well, that's just more dangerous and scary, or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. like as a woman, to, I get that. To, yeah, yeah, get that, that yeah. part of it is like you know that could look really bad. Not like it's not safe to do. It's like that could you could lose your job. Like no, you're trying to be you're. Saying you don't believe this woman was attacked by these monsters? Yeah, they were, they were, they were sentenced and convicted. All the stuff, the stuff that you don't know when you don't do, when you don't go do the deep research. You go, right. they were convicted, and you're saying you don't believe her? It's like yeah. you know something, something doesn't smell right. Yeah, but yeah, man, that was the story of the Groveland Four. But you know, the Harry, Mister Harry T. Moore, oh led me to this story, and I was like, man, I gotta rest in peace to Harry T. Moore. Yeah. He was an impressive guy himself. Yeah, man, but. For three of these four guys, they all were dead by 30, 40 years old. You know, like they were young guys. Oh. And then this one guy to just 
ride it out, you know, and, 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 and get out. He was the youngest one. And to live to his 80s, and still that wasn't long enough to see the day that they got vindication. Nope. That's like poetic, man. Vindication is always like a day late and a dollar short. Like he didn't get to have that moment. But I do, I, there's something just to me about, I hope anyway, I hope she survived till 2021. The lady, Alma, whatever. Norma. Norma. Yeah. I hope she lived 2021 so people could go, yeah, you're officially, you're a liar. Yeah, and I hope news crews and went to her house, but I don't think they did it because again, uh, it's just like who who cares? That's the thing. That's the fucked up part. It's like so how is this not a yeah, national yeah. news story that this no. woman lied and they vindicated these people and she's still alive and she went to court to say don't exonerate them and then they do exonerate them and nobody goes to her house and, like there's no news footage of them going like do you have any comments about the fam- the whole family like is it true like did they go how did you how does the news how does a news crew not go to this family's house and go is it true that you guys made some kind of weird deal with each other to not say anything. Is that true? Is your blue-haired niece, is she a liar? Like, how does that not a bigger part of this? Because nobody nobody cares. No. Nobody cares. And that's that blows my mind because that's fascinating what you just told me. What you just told me is objectively fascinating. This woman who's a professor, yeah. a, one of the kids in the family says, no, we my whole family swore to secrecy to die with this lie. That's why my that's grandmother cool. went to court and she said she's a... <laughs> They're a lot, don't don't exonerate them. They did this to me. You guys have to. You guys don't believe me, but I don't care. Well, what kind of conversation you is that to have with your family though? To be like, all right, we got to keep the dirt this, on these black guys' names. Yeah, because we're racist and we don't like black people. Uh, that never happened. Mm-hmm. We were out having fun. They were trolling to trolling or something. Whatever weird thing. That's the thing. It's like, why did you say four black guys did that? Yeah. Did anybody attack you, or were you just making up a thing from the not sexually? It sounds like from the from right. the uh, the report from the physician. It's like yeah. maybe they were intimidated or got in a fight or some kind of argument with four black guys, and maybe the there were four black guys that they wanted something to happen to, and it just got out of control. That's me giving them so much benefit of the doubt that they yeah. don't deserve. Really, what I want to say is they're evil and racist, and just made up a thing to make it up. Like Which fun. is like I hope that that's not what happened. Like it was just a fun thing. But it like got, it was a, maybe what they it was one of those things where it's like they struck a match and lit a lit a piece of paper on fire and it, and it burned a whole burned school. A whole, but I mean, like it could have just been a hobby at that. Yeah, time they just wanted like, to get some black people beat up a little bit or whatever. You know, like, let's do let's do the uh, they had a name for it. And yeah, shit. it's like got really out of control. And they're like, okay, well we're gonna get in trouble now. Now it's got, gotten so out of control. In. One of the guys got shot. Once that happened, it's like. Once they found out, like one of the guys got shot four hundred times, that's when they were probably like, "We die with this." Yeah, this is because you didn't, you didn't, you didn't think of it that no that far ahead. You just thought like, some we can get some guys roughed up. Let's get some black, yeah. get some Negroes Maybe roughed dying. up. It's like innocent. Yeah, people are dying. No, this is um, we die with this. There was a moment Dang. in this, whether it was that guy dying, being shot four hundred times, it was like this whole thing went left. Yeah, Complete. there was a moment where it was like, "We will never speak of this again. Yeah. Nothing will be said." And you were raped by these four guys. And that's what happened. There was a moment they had to have that conversation. And then they kept it going for generations, apparently. Long enough that a, a college student in 2019 knows the details about something that happened in the 1930s, 40s or whatever. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. And that's not fascinating to a news crew to me. That, that's, that's insane that, like, there's, like I said, there's no news footage of 
them going to the, this family's house and talking to them and asking them, asking them, hey, like, do you know anything about this pact? Is that a thing that you guys discuss? Like, is that a thing that's real or is your niece a liar? And also, ma'am, how do you feel now that the exoneration happened? Do you still stand by? How did that? How is that not an audio clip? Do you still today in 2021 with this exoneration happening? Do you still stand by the fact that these men did this to you? Like, I don't understand how that's not like a national news story. That's fascinating. Yeah, man. It, it could be turned into a script for sure. How it ended? Yeah, that's, oh. I mean, that's, that's amazing. That's amazing and insane and tragic and everything. It's, it has yeah, so many different elements, man. Yeah, um, I thought it was it was a hell of a story. Hell of a story um, for sure. Shout out to Third Good Marshall, man. Yeah, man. I mean, a lot of he, like he he yeah. pulled some cards where it's like, this is the best move to make. Yeah, it may not end how we wanted to, but I mean, you got to you, you got to try to get out. You got a shot at getting out. Yeah. You got a shot at getting your name clear. Yeah, yeah, man. A lot of um, history and. Uh, Right fighters. I didn't know he was a part of this. I didn't know. Yeah. I was like, oh, shit. Wow, man. Thurgood Marshall was a revolutionary guy. And the gentleman whose home was blown up, he was yeah, Harry, a, T. Moore. A, yeah. Harry T. Moore, educational pioneer. Yeah, man. So many people that would have made great pillars in the community. Yeah, and why didn't get that? Lives were snuffed out. That's what I was asking. Was, the journalism lady was great. I'm like, do the <laughs> Groveland Four have no. little masks? No. I mean, like, it happened to them. Did they make a little mask of this old man? He made it to 82 years old. They didn't make a little mask of him? Come on. Nah. Could have got him masked up before yeah, he passed but away. But got the kid at the airport. Yeah, Thurgood Marshall. Yeah, he... But think about what he had to do, bro, to get yeah, a yeah. little mask, man. Like, you know, like, you know, the airport named after him. He had to be an a icon. Yeah. This lady just she did some good journalism. But the guys that she did the journalism about, they don't get the masks. Where are their masks at? I don't know. I haven't been in Florida. It's part of Florida, so maybe there's maybe, maybe it's one. Well, I don't maybe know, but I don't. I didn't see it. Yeah. Well, that was a great story. Yeah, man. Um, whew, man. Uh, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, it's my turn to tell you guys some fucked up shit. So stick around. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. All right, and we are back. Fran, my affirmative murder this week is the story of the Trenton Str Strangler. Hmm. Okay. Shout out to Captain Jess 
for providing this fantastic okay. research. Yeah. Keep doing your thing out there, Captain Jess. We appreciate you. So, Fran, Anthony Balam was born in Trenton, New Jersey in July of 1965. At the, and at the age of 20, he had developed the, an addiction to crack cocaine like many people who were, you know, young in the 80s. It was, 80s, you know, he, yeah, he went down the pathway of a lot of young people. So he was born in 1965. By the age of 20, he's in, you know, it's like early 80s. He has a crack cocaine addiction. Is uh, there's a um, a lyric that Kendrick Lamar says in one of his songs? I can't. I think it was called the song ADHD. Uh-huh. ADHD. And he says he said I asked her how old were you and she asked me how old am, how old am I? Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, you're a crack baby. It's like yeah. I, 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 yeah. When I hear I go like it's deep, bro. Crazy man. It's deep, bro. Because like it was an epidemic. Yeah. It was an epidemic of drug addiction, much like the heroin crisis now yeah. that was a crisis too but it was looked at and made fun of and it was a you problem and you guys just need to just say no yeah. it, it's not addiction wasn't a thing it wasn't like oh you are being enslaved by this drug yeah if you were 20 in 1985 this guy had two kids i'll get into it so you're 20 in 1985 addicted to crack cocaine but still being a 20 year old kid yeah. being 20 years old and addicted to crack cocaine is is it's not wild. It's happening today. People addicted to heroin, but like being that age and still living that age life, like yeah. you still want to go out and have fun and be have sex and meet girls and stuff. And you're addicted to drugs, and you're meeting girls who might also be addicted to drugs. It's like it's such a like it's crazy. It's such a wild life to get wrapped up in, you know. And but at, let alone and at that time, you know. Yeah. Because you talk about the way crack cocaine, it was like overnight, and so it went from like. This is the new thing. It was like for loco. It was like for loco for like a week. Yeah. And then it was the worst thing that ever happened to black people. For a week, it was like, oh, man, I could dance all night in the clubs to fucking, you know, whatever. Well, funny games. And, to, and yeah. then it's like, oh, I'm severely, this is stuff is highly addictive. Yeah. It went that fast where it's like, I'm selling all my worldly possessions. So for like a week, crack cocaine was the new hot thing. Like, you know. The new fun thing to do. And then all of a sudden, everybody was like, I can't do anything but smoke crack. It's that addictive. So, yeah. This guy's 20 years old, addicted to crack cocaine. And at some point in the mid-80s, he started a decade-long relationship with a woman named Keisha White. Okay. Right? So Keisha and Balam had two children, a boy and a girl. And although Balam was struggling with addiction, he had managed to build somewhat of a stable family with Keisha who stated that he was a good dad and never hit his kids and had a calm and kind personality. However, Anthony had another vice besides crack, which was sex. So it's not known when Anthony Balam started seeking the services of sex workers, but what is known is that the drug addiction and sex addiction collided in horrific fashion in the mid-90s. Balam would cruise around the streets within a two-mile radius of his home where he would approach sex workers in the early hours of the day, offering them crack in exchange for sex. And when they moved into an isolated location, things would get out of hand. So on October 24, 1994, 41-year-old Karen Denise Patterson was found dead near a wooded trail. Mm. She had been raped and strangled. Her watch was stolen in the attack as well. So he's still in a possession. Now, whether or not he was stealing them for monetary reasons or his trophies, I don't know. Okay. But I always tend to lean to the trophy aspect. But that's the interesting twist on a lot of these, when it's in these situations where it's low income. I was about to say, in this time, maybe, yeah. It speaks to support his crack addiction. Right, yeah. You know? So uh, five months later, in March of 1995, 29 year old Valentina Kyer 
was found dead behind a vacant lot behind an abandoned home. Mm. And so, I, okay. No, I was about to say this. I'm, I'm assuming that he's he does have crack on him. He's showing. Yes. That he has. Well, 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 he's promising them that, but I mean, he smokes crack, so he might have crack on him to show and really. I mean, just to get them. Just to, to, yeah, just yeah, to really yeah. lure them in properly. Yeah, yeah. But when you're you're an addict, even a promise, you might not even need to have that much of a a trick in you, you know, to show them crack. You might yeah. just say that you have it. But um, one thing, like whenever it's, we and we do so many stories that all sound the same about this stuff, and it always, I always, I don't know if I ever brought it up before, but it always comes to my mind the movie Eight Mile. Mm-hmm. There's a great scene in Eight Mile where they burned down a house where a little girl was assaulted in, and they had this conversation outside of the home about, you know. The fact that this guy, this creepy guy, had a place to take this six-year-old girl because there's all these abandoned homes yeah. in these neighborhoods. Like those are all the, it's just all these little corners and stuff to take people to and hide them in vacant lots and abandoned buildings and stuff. And so they burn one down in eight miles. It's a really powerful scene. They mm-hmm. they they flip off the house and it's burning and they don't give a shit. Yeah. Because it's something horrible happened there. And coming from the city that we come from, that's so prevalent. Yeah. There are whole blocks and neighborhoods where nobody lives there, but the buildings are still up. And I think about all the insidious things that you can do when it's people wandering the street who are addicted to drugs and you have just like real estate that is empty to take. And there's nobody around for, for hundreds of yards to hear anything or to do anything. Yeah. And you're secluded and behind four walls and all this terrible stuff. And so when I hear about these bodies being found in vacant lots and abandoned homes and stuff, it's like, Man, it's like it's so depressing what a lot of these cities have become, largely in part to the crack epidemic. It like destroyed cities across the country, predominantly black cities at that, you know. And so now these kids growing up in these neighborhoods and there's needles on the ground and these abandoned buildings where people can with bad intentions can just snatch you up, take you somewhere and you're hidden. But you're in the community still, but you're you're hidden, but they can't they can't find you, even though you're right there. You're in the community, but you're you're gone. It's crazy. So anyway, like I said, Valentina Kaya was found in uh, in a abandoned building that was in a uh, vacant lot. She too had been raped and strangled. Just one month after the death of Valentina, Connie Hayward, who was 27 years old, was found dead in a motel on South Broad Street in Trenton, New Jersey. So it's like once a month that they're finding. Well, that th- those were a month apart. Oh, okay. The first one was in October of 19 October of 1994. And then the next one was five months later. But then there was an escalation there because the next victim after that was only a month later. So that's, that we an, know that's, an, that's an, that we, which I'll get into. Okay. So that was an escalation for sure. Like that was a 30 day escalation. But again, when I get into it, who's to say that the five months that was right. That doesn't, I don't. And based on, I have more to go. I don't think this guy was ever dormant. No way. So it, I think that his, we just don't know how many victims he right. has. But we have, I have the number, the victims that I have as far as they are confirmed. It's just weird to, to hear those gaps in time. Yeah. And then it's like, it's, there's one victim and it's five months and then it's another victim. Two weeks. back to back. Yeah. And then it's like, come on. So it's like, it's unlikely that he like, yeah. oh, I, I'm going to take a five month hiatus. Yeah. Or it just maybe just happened, just not have the opportunity to. Yeah. Which I find unlikely as well so, because he's a he's addicted to crack. He's running in these yeah, circles of people exactly. who are str- he's still he's still is feeding his addiction. He's right. still around these people. He's still and his targets around. are easy. Exactly, yeah. they're out there and they're running in the same circles. And I'm gonna get because it's worded in the in my writing. I'm gonna kind of get to this point again. So just bear with me when I get to it. We're gonna kind of I'm gonna kind of go over all the stuff we just said again because it's just I, 
for me to flow properly. So, like I said, uh, Connie Hayward was found in Trenton, New Jersey, in a ho- in a motel on South Broad Street. She had been raped, strangled, and left on the bed. She was also apparently robbed, but the details on what was taken are were unavailable. Okay. Um. So here we go again. So after a year and three months passed, another body that matched the victimology of the previous previous three victims was was discovered. On July 29, nineteen ninety six. 37-year-old Deborah Ann Walker's body was found in a vacant lot so close to Anthony, ba- Anthony Balam's home that his neighbors were the ones who found the body. No so way. A year? A year, and no th- a year and three months. Exactly. Ain't no way in hell. There's not a chance this guy just, like, take a year off. Unless he went to prison or something like that. Now, he did move to Detroit in 1995 okay. for, like, six months. And so there was research done, like they there was a whole investigation done after he was got, after he was caught, which I didn't I didn't go into deep deep detail, but I'll tell you now. Yeah, like they tried to connect him to more murders. They were unsuccessful in doing so, but they did reach out to Detroit as well. Like they went and looked at some unsolved murders in Detroit to yeah. see if they get his DNA match. They weren't able to find anything. So I guess it's possible that he was like moved to Detroit for six months, busy trying to get a life settled, couldn't do it, left Detroit, came back. Tried to get settled back in Trenton again, another six months, and then, you know, once he gets settled, then he commits a murder. But it's hard for me to believe this guy took a year and three months off. Even if we're saying he moved to Detroit for six Especially months, he moved, man. Yes, yeah, uh, I feel like that's an opportunity to go. Oh, I'm a new place, fresh start. Yeah. They don't know me here. Like I'm well, if, from the place he was living in before. Yes, they're not going to suspect me because I won't be. If they do find this, I'm not there. I'm not there. Yeah. And it's like, for me, it's, it all goes back to like, this guy has a crack addiction that he needs to support. Yeah. So he's in, he's, he, even in Detroit, he's in these, in these worlds. He's in these streets. He's under these bridges. He's, he's, you know, he's copying drugs from drug dealers. He's seeing the sex workers on the streets and his compulsion isn't, he's able to, you know, tuck that away. Cause That's it's dangerous. like, Oh, I'm trying to get settled in. Yeah. That is Those da- the most dangerous people to be able to be like, I'm going to turn it off for a yeah. little bit. That is, that's scary. That's scary. That's shit. like a, that's that means it's like oh I do this for pleasure. Yeah. I'm not compulsed. I'm not like compelled to do this. Yeah, I do yeah. it when I like to. So I can like those people. That's that's what they think the Zodiac killer did. Like they think he got to a point where he just was like I'm old. I don't really. I'm off it. Yeah. And he just like Over just this. stopped. Yeah. yeah you just, just stopped. you just stop. And once you stop and there's no record or no it's trail, trail. Yeah. you're done. Like it's like oh he was never gonna kill again. So we'll never have another clue. So that is kind of dangerous if that's what he did. But a year and three months is a long time. I just don't. I just don't believe it. But according to my records and according to the research and according to DNA matches and everything like that, this was the next victim that that was found that matched the victimology and the profile. So, um, on July 29, nineteen ninety six, thirty seven year old Deborah Deborah Walker was found in Anthony's neighborhood by his neighbor Catherine Emerson when she received a phone call from another neighbor on the morning of July 29th telling her to go look out her back door. You know, somebody being like, girl, I think it's something, uh, yeah. a dead dog or something in your backyard. Something. So she got some kind of phone call like that. So she went to go look. She said from her, she said from, from the back door, she saw the body of a small frame person that she thought was a child at first. What? Deborah had been wearing a blue and white cup, bl- wearing blue and white coveralls that were pulled down from when, from when she was found. $4 was also taken off of her person. $4. Four dollars. He left her in somebody's backyard, raped and murdered her, strangled her for took whatever and, she had. and took whatever she had in her pockets as well. So that's why to go back to you, what you said, yes, this is not trophies. This is a guy that's like, 
and I'm going to take money yeah. to feed my habit as well. Yeah. yeah. So based on the things I've described so far, like I said, I find it almost impossible to believe that there were these, these long spurts in between these victims being discovered. Like he was able to stay dormant for an, a year and three months. I just don't find it likely because from March and April yeah, of 1990, 1995, he, he couldn't even last 30 days. He went back to back in April. That's a long time to like, to not a year and three months to not scratch that itch, man. Yeah. That's, but nah, that's us man. living under the guise that it's an itch to him. But this yeah. is a guy with an addictive personality. He's addicted to crack cocaine. So I find it hard to believe he can compartmentalize his addictions. Like, oh, I have, I'm still addicted to crack, but this other addiction that I have, I don't do that anymore for a year and three months. So I just think, I don't know, like they weren't able to connect some of the dots. I just find it hard to believe he doesn't have more victims out there. Just a year and three months is such a long hiatus. So like I said, allegedly he was dormant for a bit, but on February 16th of 1996, five months before the discovery of Deborah Ann Walker's body in his neighborhood, uh, an unidentified woman managed to escape an attack from the Trenton Strangler. Mm. She was raped but managed to slip away and get to a police station. This unidentified woman gave a description of her attacker, and they thought it matched the perpetrator of the strangulation murders. I love so, that. I love hearing that story. Yeah, so like this, this woman escaped, tells her story. They're oh. like, it sounds like you were a victim of this guy who has successfully killed yeah. women, a, a, a few women whose cases we're trying to solve. So if we find him... I think we'll find the th- the the guy that killed these other three. So thank you. So she gives her inf- she gives her information and a detailed description of the guy. They get a DNA sample from her, and the DNA sample taken from two of the other victims and from the unidentified woman all matched. Match? Mm. So all three of them came from the same. Got his ass yeah, they, came, they all came from the same perp. So now you just got to find the perp. Um. So now three of the crimes are linked. Anthony became a suspect after interviews with several witnesses from his neighborhood after Deborah Allen was found. That was the girl in the backyard? Yes. Okay. So now they're canvassing the area. They go, yeah, well, there's one guy. He, he, he didn't talk to his neighbors much. Nobody knew him. So he goes, yes, this guy, Anthony Balam, he's uh, my neighbor, but we don't really see him much. We don't really talk to him much, so we can't really vouch for him. So, so they, he's low-key. He's very low-key. Very low-key. Never spoke to his neighbors. So on Wednesday, August 7th, 1996... Anthony was arrested and brought into custody where the unidentified woman was there to ID him. Mm. He was initially charged with two murders, robbery, and possession of, illegal, of an illegal weapon. Two? Yeah, because they were the two that had DNA. Oh. What about? Oh, she okay. wasn't dead. The third was the match of the unidentified woman that escaped. So gotcha. there was two DNA samples, or three DNA samples matched. One of them was from the woman that escaped, and two of them were from two victims. So now they have enough to like charge him, and mm-hmm. now they're hoping for a, a, um, a confession for the other two victims. Yeah. So Deputy Police Chief Joseph Constance described him as one of the calmest and coolest murder su- murderers that he had ever encountered in his 27 years on the job. And he continued to say that he showed absolutely no remorse and came off as a nice guy. And then Balam went on to confess to the police. Okay. Yeah. But he nice did all this guy. while being like a nice, chill guy. Sure. Would have never suspected him of being a murderer and not a day in his life. But what is a nice guy, though? Like, what is he like? He's manners. And yeah. Like, I mean, yes, sir. Yeah. I don't think the standards for I don't think the standards for a nice guy to a guy are very high. Like, as long as you're not being disrespectful, you're just like, yes, uh, definitely. Yeah. Which is like 
just a, a normal person, a normal person, <laughs> or a sociopath is like, let me act like a normal person, and you would go, yes, okay. sir, absolutely. Uh, may I please have some water, please? They go, man, this guy seems so nice. It's like he's just no, trying that's, to that's a bit. be professional. I think that's whatever. a red flag. Oh, try, like you're not panicked and you're calm. Yeah, when you're on your so can fucking I have a glass of water, please. Yeah, would you mind? If can I, I have uh, a beverage? Yes, if you yeah. wouldn't mind, please. Yes, that would be resplendent if you could uh, provide me with some libations. Can I have a napkin? You yeah. dab you. Like, <laughs> you drunk water. You're like, ooh, like, tuck it <laughs> into <laughs> your shirt. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna water. enjoy this. This is gonna be delightful. You're like, fuck is this guy? This guy's a psychopath. Uh, <laughs> so he ended up confessing. Like I said, he told the police about the rage that he felt and the power that he felt like he had over the women. Yeah. He said that he will offer the women drugs in exchange for sex, and then during the transaction, he will pull a knife and threaten the women before strangling them. So that's his drug outside of doing an Crack. actual drug. Yes. The power and the control, you know, being able to dominate women and that fear. And that's why I was saying I find it hard to believe. To, for him to confess, like, that's what he gets out of it, I don't think you could take a year and three months off of that. No. I don't think, I don't, so I don't, yeah. Uh Priscilla Hollis, the mother of Keisha White and grandmother of two of, of, of Balaam's two children, spoke on the court steps the day after his arrest, saying that he was a drug addict, but not a murderer. And that she thinks that the police coerced him into confessing. Come on. And it's like, come on, just just let it play out a little bit. Like, just let it play out a bit. There's DNA evidence in this case. Which, DNA evidence exonerates. That's all you have that, to say. That's the exoneration. <laughs> that's usually when you when you are speaking this confidently is because the DNA has said you're not the person. Right. DNA has said this is the person, and for you to be on those steps saying, no, he's not that, is you look crazy. Yeah. she by herself? Yes. And he's not your son. He's your daughter's baby's father. You don't got to ride for him that hard. No. But, you know, they might have been all the family he had. He, by all accounts from his, his girlfriend – he is a nice guy to them and his kids and stuff. It's very biased. It's very biased. It's very biased. Okay. It's very biased. Yes. It's all very biased. He didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to do that. You're going to do that. That's Somebody, expected. David, the DNA match. Somebody's yelling in the background. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> so in June of 2000, Anthony was found guilty on four counts of murder and rape. And the jury decided against yeah. recommending the death penalty after deliberating for it, about it for two days. Damn. Yeah. Long time. Mm-hmm. On January 26, 2001, he was sentenced to four life terms, all with a 30-year non-parole period, meaning that he wouldn't be eligible for parole until August 4th, 2116. Damn! So forever. He's not even a chance for How parole. How long had to go? Shit. Long, long, long. He's got a lot of days left. That date doesn't even... Compute. We'll all be gone. Yeah. All this shit will be gone. Everything will be gone. Podcast. The podcast will still be around. <laughs> Hopefully somebody, some aliens listening to it or something like that, but... Yeah, 2116 That's is crazy. like, I have no plans for 2116. <laughs> no, crazy. not a plan in sight for 2116. Man. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, so Balam never spoke in court and would sit at the defense table smiling sometimes. Oh, yeah. After, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, not. he's trying to, I don't think he's also just trying to make sure he completely dodged that death penalty. Like, let me just play it up a little bit. I'm, I'm kooky. So after exhausting all his appeals, Anthony Balam is now serving his sentence at New Jersey State Prison. He is 57 years old. So still pretty young, yeah, but not nearly young enough to make it to 21. He 16. might. I mean, yeah. hey, I, I'm sure at one point, at one point in time, he was like, people are not ever going to make it to live to 100. 
Oh, people yeah. People do it now. People live to 120. There were, uh, we, we go back far enough. People were like, you're 52 years <laughs> old? Oh, my God. He's the most eldest villager. Yeah, in the, yeah no. It was, Maybe, uh, man. Yeah, 151? Yeah. 151, man. That's uh, that's bold aspirations. I wouldn't want to see or feel what 151. Yeah, stuff. Shit, yeah, I wouldn't even. Off. Yeah, no, I wouldn't even want to know what 151 feels like. Shit, just fall off and no yeah, reason. Just oh hold. man, finger, finger came off again. Got to tape it on. You got duct tape on your body now. 150 is crazy. Oh yeah, what's? <laughs> why even tell him the date? Why even tell? Yeah, it's like why? just life. Just, just life. life man. Just life, man. Twenty one sixteen. Uh, but yeah, no, that was the story of the Trenton, the Trenton Strangler, uh, whose name is Anthony Balam. Yeah, man, I haven't, I've never heard that story, but man, four life sentences, four life sentences, each one with a thirty-year uh, no parole stipulation man. on it. So you got, you got to serve one hundred and twenty years before you even can go see the parole board. Yeah, but that brings up the question: of, like, is do you? So do you call it quits or what? Like, check out? Yeah. Oh, I think about that all the time. I'm like, if I got a life sentence and I did it. That's the other thing is like, if I'm innocent, <laughs> if I'm innocent, do I have the fortitude to go, they're going to come, they're going to come for me. Yeah. They're going to come. They're going to realize they made a, a mistake. Lot, man. They're going to realize they made a mistake and they're going to come get me. And then 10 years go by and 15 years go by yeah. and 20 years go by. Like, when do I break? And I go, they're not going to come for they're me. They're not going to come. And will that make me check out? But if I did it. Like I did some kind of horrible crime, and I go yeah. 150 years. So I'm gonna die in here. I'll die in here today. Yeah, I'll die in here right now. <laughs> like I mean, I don't. That's what I think about. I'm like, I'll take some pills and just get yeah. the fuck up out of we'll here. Or just bro. be like, give me the death, the death uh, penalty then. Yeah, but that's not up to you. They gotta decide on that. Would I? Do I want to do that for 60 years, or I want to take some months, save my money up, and get the meanest hot shot? Like, look, bring me the. I want the fentanyl with the heroin with the crack all in the thing, and lift off because i already told myself i said when i turn 75 i'm doing whatever michael jackson was doing nightly whatever the doctor was coming and getting hit them i'm doing all the drugs bro i'm doing all 75 75 i don't give a fuck bro i will become a a functioning addict at 75 years old i'm pushing for 25 more years at 75 so no i'm saying i am too but that's when i'm gonna that's when i'm going full fuck it at at 75 i'm eating what i want to eat like yeah i'm gonna do smoke weed every day I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dabble in some opioids. Like yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm going. Oh, that's great. I'm good because I'm gonna be retired. Watch movies every day. Yeah. Watch trippy movies. Listen to funky music. Say whatever the fuck I want to anybody walking down the street. I'm like fuck you. Um, that's how I'm living. So and then however long that gets me, that's up to God. I'm jumping out of planes, riding roller coasters. Oh, we gonna have a blast, bro. When I turn 75, you're going to be like, yo, where was this when we were? I'm like, oh, fuck it. It had to happen now, bro. I'm living. 75. 75, bro. I'm riding roller coasters. I'm jumping out of planes, all that. And then whatever. Yeah, if you're able to be mobile at 75, you might not even I'm be. Plan, I plan on holding it down longer. Right, I'm going to keep myself. That's what I'm saying. I'm going to keep myself afloat nicely until okay. 75, and then I'm falling off a cliff. Oh, okay. I'm going to become immobile. I'm going to eat so much, I'll become immobile. Everything. I'm going, it's it's going to get crazy. It's going to get, it's gonna get interesting. It's going to get interesting, bro. So that's my plan. And uh, yeah, man, as long as I, I, I don't know, though, I think I don't, I, I think I'd check out in prison. Yeah. Uh, it's only so many tuna fishes and, you know. That's so long. Fucking uh, people, nobody sponges with gloves wrapped you. around them and stuff. Yeah, you know. Everybody has no visitors after you've been in yeah. 30 years. It's like being dead people almost. Like, yeah. yeah, people forgot about you. Yeah, people, like, people not putting money on your books anymore. People are gonna stop putting. Depending on how bad what you did was, well, you're not gonna have any money on your books now. You now you're poor and pr- you gotta be in prison and think about being poor. Can't buy fresh underwear because like, oh, your whole family turned their back on you. 
So you don't even get money on your books. So you got to be poor. That's depressing. Poor in prison. Nah, I'm good. Now, never, I, get, I, never getting out? Nah. Damn. If I had unlimited commissary, I might think about it. I was like, man, if I had ramen noodles, I could take over. I could be the king of the prison. Buy all the ramen noodles and have all the currency. Maybe I'd make my, my second act. is like I'm the king of prison. Still targeting you back, though. Yeah. Yeah. Heavy as the head. That wears the crown. Yeah. I, I watched Lock Up Raw. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and get into uh, Let's get into some good vibes. Who's kicking things off this week, Frank? Me? You are. It's on me. All right, Fran. My uh, my good vibes. I'm actually very excited. I saw this uh, good vibes headline, and I said I got to do this one because it's uh, it involves one of my favorite YouTubers. Yeah, man, Young Philly, uh, uh, a guy uh, from the UK scene out there in the YouTube world. Him and Philly and Chunks, two super hilarious YouTube guys. I've been watching their stuff for years. They're so funny. And uh, this article is about. Uh, a study that was done that says, you know, uh, talks about complimenting strangers and things that people want to do the most in public. You know, they kind of uh, summed it up by going out on the streets and asking people, like, what do you want to do on the streets most that you're afraid afraid to do? So anyway, <clears throat> complimenting a stranger in the streets is the top thing adults would most like to do in public, but don't have the guts to do, according to a poll in the UK. The poll of 2000 adults found that 40 percent. Consciously limit themselves in life because they fear being criticized when they're when they fear being criticized when doing things more freely. Well over half of the respondents feel that feel more alive when they push themselves out of their comfort zone, but they are often too scared to take that leap. One in three or 34 percent worry that other people would think that they were uh, being too adventurous and 43 percent hold so much of themselves back that they believe that others would be shocked to learn their true personality. Uh, Pavan Chandra from Pepperami, Pepperami, which commissioned the poll as part of a new campaign to encourage spontaneity, said, We as a nation are traditionally known as being a bit stiff and reserved. However, if everyone went outside of their comfort zone once in a while, they'll start seeing a fun and exciting side of life. The survey car- uh, carried out by one poll revealed that going to the cinema alone Singing aloud and walking barefoot are unconventional activities we are embarrassed to indulge in. All those things are great, and I do them often. However, while 62% of 62% believe everyone should be able to feel the most expressive self, feel like their most expressive self without judgment, 24% of people feel judged on a daily basis. I feel that. Uh, many reckon those closest to them would be shocked to see them doing anything or shocked to see them doing something that they wouldn't normally do. Trying something new, visiting a new place, or something fun like that makes you laugh uh, and are things that are encouraging, that that people should be encouraged to do to break out of the ordinary and every day of their life. And most people reported being happy, free, or excited as a result of stepping out, as in out of their comfort zone. We want to encourage people to let out their shyness and do whatever it is that they feel freely without embarrassment. Ooh, that's my British accent. Uh, how many things from this list have you done in public? This is this is what the article is asking. Uh, so here's some top ten. Th- we can go then. I'm gonna ask you, Frank, because you're a person who doesn't step out of their comfort zone very often. So I, let me. We've got a top ten list thing. So here we go. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Number one, compliment a stranger. When's the last time you complimented a stranger? Can't remember. Uh, nice shoes, man. Anything. Yeah, I've done that before. Recently? Yeah, at my wedding I did. 
What up, stranger? I don't know him that well. <laughs> Do you know his name? Did you know his name? No, I don't know. His name. I've met him because I just don't know his name. That doesn't, like that, shoes, man. Like that doesn't count. Compliment a stranger. All right, somebody I just don't know. Nah, don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, compliment a stranger next time you're in a grocery store or something like that. Uh, maybe. Uh, go to the movies alone. Uh, sure. Have you done it? Have I done it before? No, hell no. Oh, okay. That's what I'm asking you. Oh, I <laughs> I'm thought you, oh okay. I'm asking, have you done these things? Uh, so, no, you haven't? No. You should try it, man. It's fun. Eh. But you're not really a movies guy. Like, I don't know if you see a trailer and you'd be like, I want to see that movie so bad, I'll go see it by myself. No. Yeah. Not yeah. At all. So, it doesn't really count. <laughs> I know you well enough to know that you're not doing that, not because you're like, I don't want to get judged by being in a movie theater yeah. alone. I've, that would, that's what held that's me back from going to the movies by myself at points in my life. But now I don't give a shit. If I, like, if I see a movie I like, I'm going to go watch it, even if it's by myself. Uh, number three, walk down the street singing out loud. I know you definitely walk. Rapping some lyrics or something like that while you're doing mail. Yeah. Yeah, you definitely. Yeah, I've seen all, all the mail. Time. I see all the mailmen doing that. Yeah, I got my headphones in jamming. Yeah. <laughs> uh listen to listen to something without headphones. Like that's cringe. Phone? Yeah, that's cringe. I but I've done it, but it's cringe. I, I don't like doing that. Yeah, it's cringe. I because I, I, I think people judge off of what type of shit you listen to. I don't yeah, like sure. that. Oh well that's different though. That's you not being confident in your music or not wanting the I guess you're being considerate. No, if I'm like listening to like some, some Chicago uh, rap music, yeah, I don't you don't want to be blasting like, that. Look at this fucking guy. <laughs> oh like boy. That. Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah, let's get out of here. Typical. See, I don't, I don't like this. Okay, number six: fart or burp or openly. That's just indecent. Um, <laughs> but I, we, I have. Yeah, I've yeah, done yeah, that too yeah, for sure. Uh, walk barefoot. I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do yoga stretches in the park? Or do yoga? Okay. Have you ever done yoga? I do it in my house. You I do? Tr- I try to. You try to? I try to. Okay. I don't know. We should I go do hot yoga sometime, man. I think hot fun. yoga? Yeah, it's like real. It pushes your body to the threshold. But they just like they have a room. It's like a sauna. They have the room cranked up to like you know eighty five ninety degrees. Breathe? Yeah, but it's a little harder to breathe because it's hot and you sweat more than you normally I was, would. I don't know the fundamentals. I don't have the fundamentals. Have ba- I think too. they have basic hot yoga okay. classes. They have basic. I would love to. Yeah, I would love it's to just something it. to push your body and something to do. Yeah. And the heat. Stretches your muscles out. I want to do meditation. I want to learn that first. Mm. Well, that's something you do by yourself. I just don't know how to do it though. Don't say anything and listen. Breathe. That, that doesn't work for me. Okay. Well, that's why you. Dude, that's like, why you need that, to challenge like, yourself. That thing and bring it back. I was like, but I'm always. My yeah. mind is always like. Well, that's why you need to learn how to master it. Yeah, it's a challenge for you. Uh, number nine. Adjust your underwear. Uh, I don't get it. What do you mean? Adjust? I don't just fix your underwear in public. It's all the time. Yeah. I don't wear them, so I wouldn't know. Uh, number ten, uh, da- so gross. <laughs> <laughs> you got your free ball with jeans on is crazy. <laughs> Levi's baby, five hundred one. Anyway, uh, number ten, dance in the street. I've never done that. Just public dance in the street. That. You dance at your wedding. Yeah, I've seen you dance, but you've danced at appropriate places. I've never seen you I dance, dance at a when place. It's time to dance. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen you just dance freely in the streets, and it's just I'm so happy I can't contain myself. You're just spinning around and. I've never done that. Yeah, sometimes you're just so happy, you know. Never, no. no. Okay, well, you should you should get that happy sometime, you know. Where you're just like, I'm gonna, just, I just want to dance in the street, man. No music, just dancing dance, in the streets. Move. That's a song. We're dancing in the streets. Uh, dancing. Have you done that? Yeah, of course. By yourself, nobody else is dancing. Yeah. For what? Why did you? But why though? You hear music? A good car rides by. No, that's not music? the same. No. 
I didn't do a full length dance. No, oh, I didn't I do see, a five that's minute routine. But I might do a little two step out here. A oh, song, that's, everybody does a that. A song coming out of a store hits you or something. You then, said you just so happy you can't contain it. You just bust out. You just dance. Start I've dancing. Been, I've been the happy before. You just dance. No music. I mean, there's a car doesn't come past plays music. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just have a uh, you think of a song. Dancing in Chicago. That song. Dancing in the streets. You think of that song, you make you dance in the streets. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, uh, so to encourage the nation to break boundaries and have a moment of, spont- of spontaneous joy, young YouTuber, Young Philly, the new brand ambassador for the snack creators, is encouraging his close friends to, to let their let go their in- release your inhibitions in a three-part video series uh, called Pepper uh, Pepperami TV via social media channels. And that's oh, that's it. I thought there was gonna be more about Young Philly. Anyway, uh, his YouTube channel's great, Young Philly. Yeah, man. Uh, and yeah, it's just some some go out there and be free, man. Stop living with all these boundaries and thinking about what other people will think. We're all we're all gonna be dead by twenty one sixteen. So go out there and make <laughs> YouTube videos, make TikToks, dance. Don't dance. I don't know. Everybody's. I don't know. We can't all like dancing this much. These TikTok videos. It's out of control, man. You don't you don't like dancing this much in your house to alone. You just can't. It's, it can't be that fun. Dancing is not that great that it's that people are becoming famous for it. This is just like uh, now it's just new to me because it's like everybody I've never seen people just get on their phone and just like no matter who's around, no matter who's just, looking, just, just do a TikTok. Do a TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Just don't. It's but crazy. To me. I'm, I'm encouraging it, but do it with something other than dancing. It's crazy. But if that's how you got to break the ice to be like, I don't care if there's people around watching me, I'm going to make this content. I think that that's dope because it's making you. It's releasing your inhibitions, man. Like, you don't care about what people are doing around you. I, I care. I, I, I still do. I still think about it so much. But, like, I care so much less about what I think about people around me and judgments and stuff. I care so much less than I used to. I used to be so, like, oh, it stopped me from making a YouTube channel. It stopped me from doing so many things. It stopped me from filming things. Like, just being like, oh, what this what's this person going to think when I'm walking around holding a camera up or posting, putting a camera here or whatever? Like, who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? They don't give a shit. They have their own life they have to deal with. Nobody, you keep thinking, walking past people, they're, like they're going to go, let me stop and fucking sit here and judge. Who do you think you are filming yourself? Most people don't give a shit. Yeah, some of the people that record you doing it. They're like, look at this fucking guy. Like, yeah, it happens. When happen. you get that uploaded. Happen. That happens, but who cares? That's my whole thing. I care. I care, damn it. <laughs> you ask who care? I care. Yeah, I don't want yeah, I don't want to end up on your tech, your Twitter being like, look at this fucking idiot filming themselves. But like who but like who cares? That's how the attitude you should adopt. Like, who gives a shit? Oh, they filmed you. So what? You're filming yourself. That's what you want to be filmed. I guess. Anyway, it's just, just something to think about. Just be be free. Don't stop holding yourself back with limitations trying, of judgment. I'm trying, you know? Yeah. Anyway, Fran, boom. Oh, it's my go? Oh, okay. Yes. Does anybody, uh, do we have any listeners that teach music? Because I would love to play a saxophone. Love. You want somebody to teach you how to play the saxophone? Love to play saxophone. Uh, maybe. All you can do is put, put it out there and see what happens, you know? In Yorkshire, England, young nesting. Ospreys recently produced two chicks mm-hmm. in, in America. This would not have made headlines, sure. huge headlines. But in Yorkshire, there was the first Ospreys born in the country in over 200 years. Ooh. A sign of changing winds, the Ospreys is recovering across several areas of England, having been haunted to uh, extirpation. Sure. I'm, I'm assuming some kind of like extermination. I think it means like extinct or something yeah, extinct. like that. Yeah, basically yeah. something like that. In England since 1960. This is, this is, no, this is a story about, this is about uh, hawks. Mm, I've recently been fascinated with hawks because. Tony Hawk. He's a good one. <laughs> no. Okay. 
uh, because of the agility they have and yes. how they're built compared to others like regular your regular birds. Or they're they're, designed, orioles, to, they're designed to swoop they, and hunt. And oh my goodness, the killing machines, predators. Yes, predators. I seen it. I seen one recently when like it, it dove in a trash can. You see that one? No. And it put out a rat. It was in New York. Oh wow, great eyesight. That's crazy. Put out a rat and just like was looking around. I don't know. I don't know why they do that. Maybe they, they like great eyesight. They sing everything. And they just that <sighs> they that hawk saw the rat from the sky in the trash can. That wasn't know. a guess. Uh, I'm talking about after they get the rat though. He's like holding it. And yeah, it making like, sure nobody's trying to come and get his dinner. Yeah, I, no, I've been I've I've been fascinated with hawks, man. I see them all the time at work. They're killing machines. But they like the thing about it, they don't fly around like. As often as birds, they yeah, they yeah. are hunting. Yes. So they're like they're gliding, stu- and then around. once you see them, like oh, they're trying to get something. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. man, I love hawks. I love hawks. Um, Maya hawk. So ospreys are now. Who's that? Is that a person? Uh, she's in Stranger Things. Well, she's not a real hawk, is she? So that means her dad's Ethan Hawk. She's so she's kind of the realest hawk loser. there is. Okay. Can she dive in trash cans to get a rat? Um, I don't think so. Her dad kills. Killed Denzel Washington in a movie, so uh, I think she's a hawk. So, but anyway, we, we can move on. Is that real? Yeah, Training Day. No, it's not real. That's not real. He doesn't do that in real life, no, does he? Hey, can man. he? Can he take a head off of a duck? I don't know what Ethan Hawke's capable of. I know he's, he's not, he's, not he's capable of doing that. Can he? I can't answer. Can he fly that. up to 100 miles an hour? Whoa! I don't think so. He's fly. Neither can real hawks, but you know. <laughs> okay, hey man. It can't. Tony Hawk can fly up to 100 miles an hour. Sure he can. Uh, where was I? Oh. Hawks. Hawks. The Ospreys are now found breeding in uh, Cumbria, North, uh, Northern, Northern Berlin. Mm, sure. And Northwest Wales. Wales. And a trust is now trying to reintroduce them east as well. So, I mean, like, they are trying to regrow the population of hawks. They're pumping them out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, get them going, get them together, you know, get them flapping their wings and, yes. you know, getting them, getting them birdies out. Exactly. Because we need them to reproduce. Yes. We don't want any... More hawks. We don't want them going to uh, extinction. No. Uh, but... Whatever that other word was. Yeah. Uh, extirpation. 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 Mm-hmm. If that's a real word, is it? Sure. Maybe. Story, I don't so. know. But, um... I, mean, just, I wanted to read this because I wanted to... I just wanted to express... Talk about hawks. My fascination of hawks. Hawk uh, talk. New podcast coming from France soon. No. I no? don't care about them that much. I mean, you seem to some really excited, but also think about this: like, right? You do the podcast, Tony Hawk, Ethan Hawk, Maya Hawk. There's so many hawks out there that you can get into besides the actual bird, the Incredible Hawk. That's what it is, right? <laughs> no. Yeah, Bruce Banner. He's the Incredible Hawk. Okay, well, agree to disagree. Anyway, uh, Fran, before we get out of here, you uh, watch Steve Hawking. Is that a person? Stephen Hawking. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Hawking. Who is, yes. who, is he an actor? I don't know. No. <laughs> What is he? Ride, ride bikes? No, he definitely. No, he doesn't ride bikes. Um, he no. He's an actor. No, he's Singer. a world-renowned scientist, and he's a quadriplegic. Oh, that's the. Oh, okay. He's a quadriplegic. He's dead. Um, Did but, he? <laughs> <laughs> for like years. Yeah, yeah. He's super dead. Yeah, man. I didn't know he's that. He's super dead. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah. We, before we get out of here, man, you been watching anything good on TV? I know you've been, you know, you've been honeymoon phasing, so I don't know if you've uh, been got back into a groove watching. Nah, I've good. been just locked in on the, the Dahmer. I'm, um, yeah, that and I'm catching up back. on Atlanta. I'm like, I'm catching up. So you haven't started I, a new season. I haven't started a new season. I'm catching up. This fourth season is amazing is so far, bro. I'm trying to catch the up. The first three episodes, I would say, the second episode of the fourth season 
is probably my favorite episode of the show. Is it? Ever, of all the seasons. How Other than Teddy eight? Perkins. Oh, in the season? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, okay. But it's three out so far. Um, the second episode of this season is so good in so many ways. It's funny. It's weird. It's deep. Donald Glover gets into his acting bag. Like, it just hits all the different marks. So I would say it's my favorite episode other than the Teddy Perkins episode because that just is so weird. Yeah. It's like, that's like the quintessential ah. Atlanta episode to me. Like, if you, crazy. if you had to tell somebody what episode of, like, what is Atlanta, I go, I put on the Teddy Perkins episode. Oh, yes. Because you're like, this is like, this show that is just weird. It's crazy. It's hilarious. Like, you know, finish knitting that hat for Dionne Warwick. Oh, and then it's just like. And it gave me the goosebumps now you bring it up yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. No, that it was crazy. Well. Super dark. What he say is like, oh, it's called an it's called an owl's casket or something like that. It's like it's like a fucking a uh, half boiled yeah. ostrich egg. Oh he's man, talented man. No, he's he's a genius. <laughs> and this season is weird. It's weirder and crazier, but it's fantastic. I gotta catch up. Yeah, no. This but other than that, no, I've been. I'm getting. I'm getting into my um, basketball is coming about to come back. Yes, so of like, course. Watching training camps and stuff. Be, yeah, it's going to be. Seeing where be, teams I'm gonna are. Be, I'm going to be falling back on TV shows, man. Yeah. I, I like it when basketball season comes. Understandable. Uh, that's where I, you know, uh, I will I will continue to be locked in on television shows. Yeah. But for me right now, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's Atlanta. Um, I just finished Dahmer. That was the, the big thing to be watching. Yeah. And um, I went to go see a movie that was amazing. And uh, it's a story that you did. Very popular story, but I can't remember the twins' names. But it's a very oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, the yeah. twins. I can't remember their names right now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look it up real quick. Wait, you went to go see it? How dare you? My bad, man. That's my bad. I mean, that's my bad. You I've, you just wake up oh, movies day. Oh. Yeah, June and Jennifer Gibbons. Very accurate. When you know the story, they nailed it, and it's just a beautiful. It's like I wasn't expecting a lot of the mediums that they, they had claymation in it. Like it was like a really good movie, okay. and the acting was fantastic. And when you go into it with the knowledge that you like, you know what happened. Yeah. When they get into uh, June and Jennifer, they would write those stories that they were writing stuff like yeah. that. They really, they like they enact those. Like Did they, they? They like they like they show them like oh, they shit. they act them out, and so it makes it this really trippy crazy move because they were telling stories about oh the pepsi cola love making whatever like it was just crazy yeah. so um to know their story and to see how like sick their connection was yeah. like it, it it was it was like disturbing to see it play out on like they were like so obsessed with each Twins. other and they the, but they wouldn't talk no and the way they did it in the movie it's not it's not a spoiler but the way they did it in the movie was really interesting because like they talk in the movie they have full length conversations and they're they're super enthusiastic and all this stuff, but it's in their mind. So they're having all this stuff. So the movie yeah. is like, oh oh girl you're crazy. And then a parent comes in and be like, Are you guys hungry? And then when they walk in the room, they're Silence. just sitting there. Yeah. But just before the door opened up, they're oh they're spinning around. Like Toy Story. Yep. Just like mm -hmm. that. Exactly like that. Really good movie. Really good movie. The Silent Twins. Highly recommend it. Um, and the soundtrack is crazy. And it's them singing. Really. Like all the all the songs in the. Um, movie are what's happening in the scene and mm -hmm. them singing it, but they're really eerie and really good too. So they're like, I love my sister. I I, I fucking uh, shazammed uh, some, oh, some of the soundtrack came out, but oh. then I realized it was like, oh, this isn't Macy Gray. Yeah. This is like them, and they're just singing about what's happening in the scene. Mm -hmm. So the soundtrack's really good. 
everything. I really liked it. I really enjoyed it a lot. So yeah. I highly recommend the Silent Twins. I'll wait till some. Wait, I'll wait till wait till streaming. Streams, or so. It'll yeah. be streaming or something soon. You don't need to go to the movies to go see it. Okay. I got asked by a friend cool. to go, and I was like, Yeah, I'll go. I'll go see okay, it. Cool. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I saw that, and that was really good. And uh, yeah, so kind of that's kind of that's about all I've been doing. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, but uh, yeah, man. This has been another episode of. Oh wait! Oh, oh I forgot. Oh please. Uh, I wanted to let the listeners know. I am uh, going to be streaming my video game, my gameplay. Yes. I'm doing that. Uh, so if you guys, even if you're not into video games, uh-huh. if you just want to come and talk. Come chat boy, with Fran. Come talk to your boyfriend. I'm streaming on Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, and Sundays. Okay. I don't have the time for Sunday because between those other days, I got other shit I got to do. Of course, live. So Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, and Sundays, I will be streaming. You can catch me on Twitch. My tri- Twitch name is going to be... Uh, let me pull it up. It's going to be Postman Friend. Postman Friend. Postman Friend. Come over there. You follow me. It helps. It helps out. Helps your boy out. Oh, yes. Yeah, right a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man. I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Going postal. Going postal. So you can come check me out there. I'll be on there playing games. You can, if, you, if you're not even in the games, just come hang out with me. Come ask, ask questions. questions. Yeah. The chat's going to be open. We come and talk about music, TV that I barely watch, uh, <laughs> movies that I, I don't know any of the actors' names. And you can come ask me any questions about, you know, we can talk about true crime if you want. We talk about anything. So come over there while I play. Talk to me. Uh, if you get tired of hearing Alvin talking, come talk to your boy. And have some fun, man. Help me, help me grow that community over there. Yes, let's build that up. You know, if you go follow, hit the little joint so you know, get the alerts mm-hmm. when, when your boy go live, and then we have some fun. But postman friend, follow me on Twitch. And with that being said, uh, this has been another episode of Affirmative Murder. I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by the postman friend, Franco Evans, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park
Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately! Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.